Support for Champ and the Tramp is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off free shipping with code CHAMP at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations for their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Frank, using your, your uh, old trimmers, probably, I'm assuming, with a wire, probably the same one you use for your face. You got any stories about uh, nicking yourself up? You know, early in my fighting career, I used to think I needed to shave my whole body. More aerodynamic. More aerodynamic, you know, maybe a little less on a scale, and I definitely nicked the nuts a couple times to get in the grundle. <laughs> not, not very pleasant. This, on the other hand, much better. I mean, think about it from a fighter's point of view. That's an open wound for a staff infection. That's not where you want to get a staff exactly, infection. Exactly. You so know? Manscaped's the way to go. Good thinking, pal. Good thinking. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now, I now feel confident shaving my boys. In addition, this trimmer comes with an LED light, which is definitely handy. I've noticed that. For a more precise shave and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. Do you shave in the shower? Or you? I usually do it before the shower. Yeah, I put a towel down. I don't know. I can't, You know what it is? It's like when I'm trying to bend over in the shower and get my grundle. I got the water going in my face. I can't see. I feel like, you know, like You're I'm not. You're pretty tall to a right yeah, in your face. I'm not getting everything. So I, I, I stand there and kind of like put the leg up and I do it on a towel. And don't use the same trimmer you use on your face as your balls, obviously. I think that's the old school way of doing it. I think we all used to do that, you know, and then you got the wire and you're getting it all tangled around your legs. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body, especially Frankie? And yes, your balls do stink. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. No one likes sticky nuts. Manscaped threw in two free gifts into their perfect package. A pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off and plus free shipping with the code CHAMP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CHAMP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Real show, here we go. Real show, here we go. You know that it's got to be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man FE. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever tapping out, we're putting the most minutes in. You already know what that's about. You know that winners win. Crush whatever's on task. Check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp. Let the ball blast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Champ and the Tramp. We have an exciting one for you guys today. Very excited uh, to announce that Errol Dobler is in the house. For uh, 
those of you that don't know who Errol is, he is a former Navy SEAL member, uh, SEAL Team 1, SEAL Team 4, correct? That's correct. Um, had an injury, which uh, took him out of the SEALs. He then signed up for a career with the FBI, um, served 13 years with the FBI, That's right. That's did right. some overseas stuff, working with... Uh, you were part of the terror, like terrorist task force. Yeah, I worked uh, counterterrorism operations, and then did some stuff in Afghanistan with the 75th Ranger Regiment. Yeah. yeah. And then left there after a uh, illustrious career of 13 years, and decided to start his own leadership consulting firm. And he has written the book, The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership. So we're very excited today to welcome Erwin to the podcast room. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks yeah, for man, having that me. Definitely. Uh, Definitely love to pick your brain on some of these things. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's sure. Do it. I have a question though. Do you do you ever start an episode and not say we've got a real exciting one for you? Not, I usually <laughs> don't. I, honestly, I usually don't say that. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually yeah. don't. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, that's uh, that was genuine. All right. I appreciate it. No, it's it's it's, it's really great to be here. And like we were saying, the uh, friend of ours, Larry, uh, hooked us up and kind of felt like he he put the gun to your head like yeah not at all man someone with your background is, is, is definitely someone that uh, that we we would love to talk to uh, down here so yeah, it's good to have you and uh when when so you went how did you know you rose to be a military person you know I, I didn't the uh i didn't really grow up in a military family like you know my dad got enlisted or he got drafted you know in between wars um, he liked the military. My uncle was in the military for a while, but, but it wasn't like a military family, right. you know? And, uh, my next door neighbors went to the Naval Academy and I, I don't know, I must've been about 12 years old or something. They bought over a pamphlet. I just started looking through it and you know, it was cool, right? Every kid likes guns and soldiers and stuff like that. But then there's this one section that said SEAL teams. Now, again, this is back in the early 80s right so nobody even knows what this is you don't go to the internet and there was it was a very nebulous paragraph on what they did they didn't even have cool gear on they had just shorts and you know but i was like who are these guys what why aren't they saying what they you know so that always stuck with me fast forward to uh, high school you know i played i played uh sports lacrosse was my main sport that i would get recruited for but i talked to my coach and you know i was like i don't know where i'm gonna go to school man i, I just don't know and he goes where do you want to go to school and i'm like the naval academy it just fell out of my mouth uh and the coach came and and he looked at me and he said we'll get you into the prep school because my grades you know they weren't good enough to get straight in and then once i got there i kind of remember that's right this the seal team thing so you know, I, I didn't go there this, for the reason that a lot of people go there. I just went there because, you know, Navy had a great lacrosse team. I played lacrosse, and, I'm, and it just popped into my head. But then everything kind of resurrected. I forget the technical name, but you started out as a boat pilot, essentially, right? Well, so when I graduated, right, you go into the you go into the, the fleet, the regular Navy, and I didn't go right to the SEAL teams. I was what's called a surface warfare officer. Yes. I was on a ship. I was on an oiler. And that was a bummer, man, because— the uh well you know if you want to be a seal and then you end up on a on a ship and an oiler it, it's pretty low grade but you know these people come in in and out of your lives for reasons and i remember i was sitting i picked so late in the in the class right you you pick by class standing right i think i was like 10 from the bottom and so there's hardly anything on the board to pick cuz everything's gone as a matter of fact they had a party for us 
right? And by the time I got to the party, not only was the party over, they had already cleaned up and put everything away. So I was staring at the board and just dejected. And, you know, one of the officers came over who worked there, you know, what's wrong and all that. And I'm like, you know, and I told him, and he goes, okay, that's the ship you want to go to. And I said, all right, why? He goes, because that ship is out at sea all the time. And I'm like, man, I don't think you heard me. I don't want to be on a ship out to sea all the time. And he said, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you have to get on a ship, get your qualifications on that ship, right, to become a surface warfare officer. You have to be out at sea all the time, and you have to get your qualifications twice as fast as everybody else. And I was like, all right, man. I got it. And that was the best piece of advice I ever got. So I got on the ship, I, you know, kicked, kicked ass, I guess, uh, got my qualifications. There was like 30 guys who asked for a lateral transfer over the SEAL teams. And they were picking one, and they picked me. And that, no I don't, you know, who knows what, what how that What is the happens. percentage? I know it's extremely low for the people that try out for, you know, the SEALs that yeah. actually make it through. It's it's, it's a, a 70% attrition rate. So, is that what it is? Yeah, so okay. 30% so, make. So how does, you join the Navy, and then can you, right away as you join the Navy, can you say, I want to be a SEAL? No, not as an officer. Um, because in the SEAL teams, so in a pl- typical platoon, there's 16 guys in a platoon. And only two of them will be officers, right? So there's not as much need for officers. Now, if you're going in as an enlisted guy, you can now go and say, I want to go to BUDS right away, and they'll just send you because they just need bodies going through because the attrition rate's so high. Uh, But for the officers, it's much more competitive. So that year that I graduated, they only had eight billets that they were going to allow people to go to the SEALs, right? And that's that's not a lot. Um, So, yeah, no, you, you have to get, there's a whole rigmarole of things to go through if you're going to be an officer in the SEAL teams because right. there's just not as many. Wow. Yeah. You guys, a little off topic here, but you guys have a, a similar story. You know, reading, I didn't get through your whole book, but I read uh, I read a good portion of it. Um, your story about skydiving and how you, you know, you took all the classes and you were so confident and you jumped and you forgot everything. <laughs> Errol, I saw it in your book. You have a very similar story to that. Yeah. And, and they almost booted you out. You had to, you had to repack your shoot in 20 minutes and go right back up. Yeah, man. The, so <clears throat> I use that story as part of the, you know, the book and talk about emotions and how important emotions right. are and acknowledging them, especially in leadership. Um, because if we don't, they'll just wreak havoc on you, right? If you're pretending you're not feeling something, um, it, you'll just have an action that's that's kind of random. Or, so, or an inaction. I or an mean. inaction, right, right? right? So as the case may be. So same thing. You know, they bring us through the school. It's, you know, it's generally speaking pretty easy conceptually, mm-hmm. right? They put you in the, the wind tunnel. They teach you how to, to history, yeah, yeah, they teach you how to float. Okay, I got that, right? Check right, check left, up, down, check your altimeter, pull. It's not, it's not that complicated. And I just remember all sorts of bravado walking up to the plane, Right. Uh, making jokes, right? Had to be cool guy because uh, it wasn't all SEALs, right? So anytime you go somewhere and you're a SEAL, everybody's got an eye on you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I was laughing and joking the whole time. Jumped out. And the next thing I remember is the instructor reached because the instructor jumps with you reaching over to pull my ripcord for me. I had blown through all the protocols, Mm. went below the altitude that we were supposed to pull. He was just going to pull it. I finally, like, caught myself and pulled, didn't do any of the protocol, look right, you know, just about the most unsafe jump you could ever have. We get to the ground, and the instructor was super cool, you know, just calm. He's like, 
hey, you know, Lieutenant, you have another jump like that. I'll make sure you never step foot on an airplane again. All right, you have 20 minutes. Pack up for the next jump. You know, I'm a, I'm a Navy SEAL, sea, air, and land soldier. You can't do right. your job yeah. if you can't jump out of an airplane, right. right? So, you know, I had to, it was a, it was a come to Jesus moment, right? I was like, okay, I've got 20 minutes to save my career. What am I going to do? And the first thing I, I had to do was acknowledge I was scared shitless mm-hmm. of jumping out of the airplane. So, I, you know, I just kind of acknowledged that. I'm like, okay, I'm really afraid of this. And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, now I get to make some choices. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it, which is fine. You can make a conscious choice. I'm just not going to do it. That wasn't obviously going to be my choice. But it was, okay, well, what do I do now? Well, focus on the things that they taught you. And if you get scared, just acknowledge the fear, but then refocus yourself, right? So that's why I tell the story, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just around the importance of emotions, and, and, and people don't acknowledge them. And then... They wonder why they do the things they do. Right. So that's just a story to say, look, and, and if your random action is inaction, well, that's a bad draw for right. jumping out of an airplane, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, right. So. I would say for, for what I've read thus far, the very core of your book is 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 how integral emotion is attached to leaders, good leadership. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and being able to control that emotion. And that's something that I definitely have battled with my whole life is, you know, anxiety and, yeah. and, and uh you know, just emotional distress and how it has, you know, made some poor decisions in my life, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. it's a driver to everything. And and people get a little surprised when they start working with me, when they hear me on these things and, you know, with the background yeah. and I'm talking about emotions. But, you know, if everybody takes a step back, you'll everybody will agree. There's Correct. nothing to disagree about. Yeah. If you don't understand your emotions, if you don't have an awareness of them, you're going to make random decisions, mm-hmm. right? And you're, they're probably going to be bad random decisions. And right. now all of a sudden you're getting into this cycle, right? Because now right. your brain's rewiring itself towards that behavior based on that emotion, blah, 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 and on it goes. You talk but, about that. There's a sequence. There's absolutely yeah. a sequence, right? There's, you know, the book is The Process, Art, and Science, and that's kind of the science portion. We get, we become addicted to these emotions and the actions they drive, right? Literally when you have an emotion... The brain sends a chemical to the body, mm-hmm. right? Now you are thinking, you're feeling as you're thinking, and you have an action based on that emotion. Now your brain's starting to wire itself in that way, okay? Now you're going to do that action, but eventually you're going to forget why you're doing that action, right? right. The, uh, so, oh, fucking Frankie made me so mad. Right. What, you know, why are you so mad? Well, cause Frankie said this to me, right? Then a week later you see me. What are you so mad about? Right. Didn't I tell you what Frankie said? Then six months later, right? You tell, and then I'm like, I don't know yeah. why I'm so mad. But what I do know is I've got to find something in my environment to justify my anger because mm. now I'm addicted to that emotion. Correct, yep. And that's the way it works. Yep. Um, so we have these subconscious behaviors. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing around emotions. Yep. I'm pretty big on it. And when I work with people, sometimes it's mostly the guys there's some guys who call me and they're like, I had to look up emotion in the dictionary. I'm not even sure. Yeah. And my point is you don't need to know what it means. This is just lets you know how little regard you give it yeah. right. that you had to go look it up. Right. So I always say you want to be emotionless fighting too. You know, you want to be like, uh, I call buddies that are, Gotten some stare downs of guys, and they were like, yeah, "I could tell it affected." I'm like, "Dude, what? Don't let this affect you, man. I'm gonna be like an assassin, you know? No, no, no. Uh, you got nothing in the game. No, no. Uh, you know, you're not leaving your soul out in the game. It's just you in, know, in you, your you, line you, of work. You want to just be 
I would think that it's super important to be able to control your yeah, emotions. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you can use your emotion too. You know, like you're Rocky, Frankie Fear. You know, yeah. Frank, you know, Frankie Fear, and then you know, you use that and help help to motivate you or whatever. But uh, I think when you have the wrong, like negative emotions, that's when uh, you can get mad in a fight and you start picking your chin up, and trying to hit a guy real hard. That's you get caught, you know. Right, right. But to, you know, but to your point, the reason you're even able to say this stuff, Frankie, is that you're aware of it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, look, I don't know anything about walking into a UFC ring, but I can't imagine that you don't have some type of fear of butterflies when oh, you're walking. 100%. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, how how can you not? It doesn't matter how many times I've been in a combat situation, you're going to get those, you know, mm-hmm. but the the ones who recognize and go, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm scared right now. Cool. What now? Yeah, right. What next? Because, you, you know, if we start telling people you're not allowed to be afraid, you're not allowed mm-hmm. to be angry... That's not going to cut it because right. now they're oh, now they're feeling guilty because like oh I'm afraid but I can't admit it, right? You're so advanced at that, like your 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 advice to them is no you can't be emotional about it. Really, what you're saying is right. you have to get that under control, recognize it, and then make a decision how you want to act. Right. I always tell my kids, you know, the the hero and the coward they feel the same exact thing. Feel the same exact know? thing. They just react a different way. That's know? right because they because yeah. the coward isn't aware of his emotions, so he just acts randomly. Right. Because a coward won't, a coward doesn't make conscious decisions, right? That's what emotions do to cowards. Like, I'm afraid, and now I'm just going to go on my instinct and run away. As opposed to, you tell me if I'm a coward, like, I'm really afraid right now, and my best move is, is to roll out of here. That's more logical than, <laughs> than yeah. fear-based, right? <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not a coward. This, this is no good for me. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Li- this whole situation is no good. I'm out. That's the best conscious decision. Mm-hmm. So, I saw something else. You know, you talked about in your book, which um, I think in the world we live in today, in the society that we're in today, and especially with COVID going on, that you you, you wrote something like ninety five percent of people that walk through the doors of uh, of medical, you know building are in there for stress related issues and you know only five percent really know how to control that and and deal with that and and i I think in the world we live in you know can you speak to that a little bit more because there is so much stress yeah in today's day and age and it's it's not there's not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel right now either by the look of it you (laughs) know there's not it's it's getting worse as a matter of fact we're not in a better spot than we were a year ago i I think we're worse (laughs) you know what i mean but that stat is that's based on genetic, true genetic disorders, right? right? 5% of the people in the world have a true, true genetic genetics. malady, okay? 95% of the people who are walking to health clinics are walking in there for some stress-related incident, okay? Now, what does that mean? I've got type 2 diabetes. How are you, what does that have to do with stress? That has everything to do with stress, okay? Because when you're overstressed, you get all the inflammation in your body. And inflammation, when it becomes chronic, has now been shown to be the key driver in every major disease we live with right now, right? Cancer, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, Parkinson's, all that stuff. So, you know, you you hear people who run marathons and eat right and all this thing, and the next thing you know, they come down with cancer. Like, oh, okay, Mr. Exercise, Mr. and Mrs. Exercise people, what's the deal with that? Well, the deal is that you can't out-eat the stress. You can't outrun the stress. The right. stress keeps rolling in. Okay. And that, that's where it's going to take shape. So when we talk about this fear that we're living under right now, okay, 
the stress. That's why people are getting sicker and sicker during this mm-hmm. last year because mm-hmm. we have just loaded the stress on ourselves. Oh my God, the COVID and you know whatever else. We can't go outside now. My kids are home and now I'm home all the time with my spouse, and the stress just keeps on coming. And that's that's what it is. So once again, emotions, emotions based on you know uh, the stressors. Another stat, you know, and I'm throwing out stats like I'm some scientist, but, I, you know, I, I wrote the book because yeah, the stats yeah, yeah. were interesting. The, um, we have between sixty and 70,000 thoughts a day. 80 to 90% yeah, some, of those thoughts. Of us, <laughs> <laughs> right? some, here we go. Here we go. But now you'll, 80 to 90% of those are the same as the day before. Right. Wow. I read that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now, further that, for the majority of the people, at least maybe in this study, so over 50% of the people, 70% of the time, those emotions they had were related to stress. They're stressors, yeah. yeah. Like You hold you, on to those. You just, but, and yeah. then we just keep right. going Recycling, and going and going. Yeah. So even if you only have 10 thoughts a day, Frankie, yeah. right? Not <laughs> 60 to 70,000, right? 80 to 90% of the same as the day before. And we wonder why we keep doing the same nonsense over and over right. again and how we start getting sick. Yeah. And that's it. How do you break that cycle? Well, the, the, again, the process is simple. It's the it starts it's with the awareness. Part, right? It yeah. starts with the awareness. You have to be aware of that stuff. Yeah. You have to be aware of how you feel and what you do. Right? You gotta be able to say, All right, I'm feeling these ways. Now I've got to be conscious of how I'm acting on them. Mm-hmm. Don't judge. And then all of a sudden you're super conscious and you go upstairs and you bark at your wife for no good reason. You're like, Ooh. Right? And then your kids are being six and then you bark at them. And then somebody else in your family is trying to talk to you and you're staring at the TV going, yeah, yeah, cool, right? All of a sudden you're realizing the things you're doing. And now you put that together with the emotion. Now you've got a picture, right? Now you've got a picture. You say, wow, I don't really like what I see based on how I feel. And now you've got to make some decisions, right? Now you've got to decide what is the behavior I want? What's one or two things that I can work on? Maybe it's being in the moment, right? Anytime somebody in my family talks to me, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, turn. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it takes hard work, but that gives you the ability to at least start making decisions as opposed to just doing this rote behavior that's kind of screwed up most of the time anyway. So that's, yeah. that's where it starts. Not easy, but you know, I, I like to tell the people I work with, neat and tidy is not the goal. Mission accomplishment's the goal. Yeah, I like so that. get ready for a hard road, but that's still the road that you need to travel, and that's where it starts. Yeah, you kind of worked it out with a with a five part system, really. Yeah. Um, can you can you talk us through that? Yeah, a little so bit? I just walked you through the first three stages, yeah. right? Emotional awareness and recognition to cultural awareness, cultural and recognition. awareness, right? How you feel, the things you do. Culture is made up of the things we do, not the labels we put on. Right, right? labels are fine, but you better be able to tell me what you do to create that label. Right. Okay, so the first part is all awareness. Then you have to decide behavioral guidelines. It's all about behavior, right? If you behaved in a certain way, you'd get better at everything, right? So if I was working with you, Frankie, I would never tell you, you know, you need to go for those singles more, mm-hmm. right? That's that's a widget. That has nothing to do with leadership. It would be all about behaviors. If you were doing something in the ring, I don't even need to understand anything. I would just be like, well, what's the decision-making process around that? How do you want to behave? Right, you said it, right? You get all angry in the ring and you start to rah and then you get caught. My thing would be, well, what where's the source of that coming from? Do you even notice it? And then how do you wanna act when you get angry? 
right? Your answer would probably be, I need to calm down, mm. right? Cool. Mm. Now you have a behavior to focus on that's going to make you a better fighter that has nothing to do with fighting, okay? So that's the first three. Those are the first three areas. In the end, though, leaders get you know stuff done, right? And the reason people don't get stuff done is because they don't know how to plan. They don't know how to make a plan. So all I did was take our... My, our, our planning process from the SEAL teams, watered it down and modified it a little bit. And the point I make to people is, in combat, if you do things wrong from a leadership perspective, you've got one or three outcomes. Mission, failure, injury, or death. Okay? The good news is, though, the elements of the proper plan to keep people alive and then achieve victory are transferable everywhere. It's the same stuff. Right? It doesn't matter if you're fighting. It doesn't matter if you're in banking. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-home parent. It's all the same. Right? Something's happening. I need to make a plan to make sure I get the outcome I want. Mm. Identifying the situation. Identifying the mission. Identifying your actions. I could go through it, but that's that's it. You know, that's it. So, you know, I just finished with a group today, as a matter of fact. Right? And we're at the end, and I say, look, it always takes everybody about four weeks, five weeks to put this all piece together, this whole thing. And I say, if you look at it, what I just described to you happens everywhere. When, you know, I used to get a lot of engagements right when COVID started. Hey, Errol, teach us how to lead through, you know, challenging times, which was great. I always appreciate it. But my answer was always, if you have to change things really precipitously, then you're doing things wrong anyway. Well, it wasn't right to begin with. It wasn't right to begin with. Okay, so what's the things that always happen, right? Oh, my God, COVID. Okay, I'm the big boss. What's the first thing I'm looking at? How's everybody reacting? What are their emotions? Are they getting crazy and out of control? Now I see it. Emotional awareness and recognition. What are they doing based on that? They're losing their minds. They're running around yelling at people. They're calling, right? Is that what I want them to be doing? Is that really our culture that we established? If it is, if it's not, what is the behaviors we've established? Remind everybody. It's not how we do business here, right? We do it this way. We behave in these ways. So let's all get back on track. Everybody goes, oh, shit, he's right. That's right. That's what we do. Okay? If you need to establish a new behavior because you realize, wow, we don't have them, put it in. It's still a behavioral guideline, that thing you'll hold people accountable to. And now you say, okay, it's really hit the fan. We need to pivot on everything. What's our plan? Those elements never go away. Those are the elements. That is the leadership process, at least in my mind. But... I haven't had anybody be able to tell me, yeah, everything except for that planning thing. You know, yeah, it's just, right, it's not, right. it's not there. It's, it's what it is. The last part is something I call the resistance. And that's a lot of the science portion behind it, right? Everything I just said to you made perfect sense, right? So let's say me and you were working together. And, you, you know, nobody's ever said to me again, no, behavioral guidelines are stupid. Everyone's like, yeah, they're, no, they're, they're, you're right. We're planning is stupid. Yet, you won't plan. Right? We'll go through something, you'll put a plan together, and you won't follow it. Like, well, what was that? Well, you won't even have an answer because you've been so used to doing things a certain way, right? Just what we talked about. It doesn't even matter if that'll be good for you or not. Yeah. You're just used to the other way. So you'll kind of resist the obvious. That's the resistance. So what I tell leaders is if you know that there's going to be a natural resistance to things based on you trying to rewire people's brains by mm-hmm. changing behaviors, you can just lighten up a little bit, right? I don't have to get all pissed at you when you don't do what I ask that's new. I could be like, well, it's new, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to get all over them. Yeah. just have to remind them. 
so that's that's the process in a nutshell. That's what I, now I've built my career on in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the very opening line in your book is Roger, which is my name. So it kind of <laughs> caught me, and it was you dealing with a guy right. with a with a at a company yep. who was kind of um, you know. I guess not implementing what you were trying to teach him and he was kind of making excuses and you kind of had to show him the proper way to do it, you know? And so it kind of, it kind of grabbed me because his name was Rod. I was like, wow, first line in this book is Roger. <laughs> and did it Maybe sound, this was written to me. It didn't know? sound familiar. Yeah, it did. <laughs> right. It did. There's a lot of things I can learn from this. Yeah. A lot of things, truly. No, I appreciate You know, um, just about, because I'm an emotional guy, you know, so, uh, and controlling emotions has always been a bit of a struggle for me. But, um, you know, something- bear. Big yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, they always wants to hug people, right? <laughs> it's like get under control, man. <laughs> um, I was reading too, though. You're uh, certified in the Wim Hof yeah. method, um, and I've heard so much about that lady. This guy's big into breathing. Got another friend, Jesse, who's very big into Wim Hof. I, I, I'm big into breathing. Hopefully, you're bringing the breathing. Well, you too, just told, you, you told you in breathing techniques. I should I'm say. Joking. You told me you just read a book the other day. Yeah, about, I did. Uh, yeah. James Nestor's book. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fantastic, and it's and it's scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It's scary. Wow. It's crazy. It's the stuff that, that that you know breathing can do for you. All those different right exercises and whatnot. I mess around with them a little bit. The box breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, breathing is such a big part of fighting and you know martial arts. So yeah. it kind of goes hand in hand. And the cold therapy too. Uh, you know, well, that's I, I, that's I do, the correlation I, I was going to bring up. It's really you know the stress that you're under when you get into an ice cold bath and and it's. You know, someone asked you, I saw on a podcast, well, how long do I stay in there? And there's really no definitive answer to that. It's till you find your comfort zone, really, That's right. right? That's right. Uh, so, you know, two different discussions. So the Wim Hof, I don't know how familiar you are with Wim Hof. Yeah, okay. pretty familiar with him. All right, so that breathing serves a whole different purpose, right? Everything in, in Nestor's book, spot on, right? Mm-hmm. Nasal breathing, the whole thing. That's the way we should be going through life. The Wim Hof method. Serves- if you listen to any of our podcasks, Frankie has no issues with nasal breathing. <laughs> you get it nice. Get it going, right? Um, so we. It's so funny because you hear it now. We, no, but we take we. We're working on that because my wife read the book first. So when we watch our TV show at night as a family. We're taping all our mouths up, <laughs> and my son is. <laughs> so maybe it's just you know, it makes me feel at home. Um, but anyway, Wim Hof breathing uh, serves a different purpose, and it kind of goes to COVID. It is um, what his breathing does is it literally hacks the uh, autonomic nervous system. What do I mean by that? Autonomic nervous system, right? Fight or flight, rest and digest. And autonomic nervous system covers all the functions in our body naturally to include our innate immune system. All right, so how can you hack something that happens automatically? Well, what happens is when you fill your body full of adrenaline, right, you go into fight or flight, whatever's happening, okay? And then in theory, you are supposed to then release from whatever had you all crazy, go back into your cave, so to speak, and then you go into rest and digest. So the nervous system is working itself, Right. It's getting exercise because it's appropriately going to fight or flight and then it's appropriately coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the problem in today's society? We leave our cave, right? Or the caveman going to get the, the saber tooth tiger fight or flight. Right. Everything is focused on that one thing. He comes back into the cave. Everything's nice. And, you know, everybody's relaxing now. We're cooking up the saber tooth tiger. All's good. Well, what do we do? We leave our cave. And it doesn't even matter now that we're not leaving our home. Our cave is our home office, whatever it is. We're leaving to go do work, to do whatever it is. Are we ever going back into the cave 
to go into rest and digest, right? Think about it. People are coming home. What's the first thing they do? Let me just get on the phone, make a few more calls. Let me get on. I'll just do a couple more emails, right? Um, you know, I'll watch the news. God forbid, mm, right? Yeah. That's not a stress yet. Have a couple drinks. We've all been there. None of that stuff, as a matter of fact, it's a fact. That will all keep you in fight or flight. Mm. So now we get that chronic inflammation, and now all this stuff has happened. What Wim Hof Method does is you voluntarily activate your um, uh, autonomic nervous system when you do that real heavy breathing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then you hold your breath, and now your, your, uh, rate, your, your heart rate goes down. You do that for 20 minutes minimum. Eventually, at that, about that 20-minute mark, your, fi- uh, your rest and digest system takes over your fight-or-flight system, and now you've reset your nervous system. You've exercised, right? It makes perfect mm-hmm. sense, right? So what does that mean for us? Well, that means when we do that, we exercise our internal systems, our physiology, so our immune system gets stronger. Why are people dying? People are not dying because COVID virus is this virus that, oh, my God, is so different from every other virus. Comorbidities. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a foreign virus, but our immune systems are so weak that our immune systems overreact and people die. Or they have these comorbidities like diabetes or whatever it is because they're inherently unhealthy and now their immune system is weak and then they really can't handle it. Mm. So the conversation we're not having, and not to get into COVID, but it's important. The conversation we're not having is about people's health. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. We are the the heaviest, uh, unhealthiest nation in the world and we are not talking about people's immune system and strengthening it. So among other things, the Wim Hof Method breathing does that and I can if we can talk about it later I've I've had some brain scans around heart and uh, heart and brain wavelength and how they're congruent with each other and it it works and it's the same thing with the ice bath right in my mind when you get into that ice bath you (gasps) right you're like that that's fight or flight and then if you just get calm right through all the techniques I would teach you breathing and focusing all that stuff all of a sudden your your heart rate will go down you're exercising your immune system. So that's one of the many benefits, right? Mm-hmm. I use it to help people recognize their emotions, yeah. right? Recognize how you're feeling when you get into that ice bath. Now, how do you want to act, right? How are you acting? Also, the process of just getting in there and making excuses. That's and right. are you a procrastinator? And yeah. I, you know, I read a. How, how often do you try, try to do the ice bath? Every day. Every do day. you really? Every day. Wow. Shower, bath. So mostly bath, right? So we got. Um, shower's fine, mm. but I've got a. You know, I've got a meat freezer that I filled with water, mm. so I'm always at 33 degrees, right? But you know, if you got to clean it, you know, clean. I clean it out once a year, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, then you know when the water's getting cold, to go in the shower. But yeah. every every day, because um, I'll tell you what happened when I first started doing the Wim Hof method. I went right into you know his his protocol to get certified, which was the uh, online course, and. Um, you know, so you, you just start doing it. And about a week into it, my wife said, and this is, I had just left the FBI. We had two kids at that time. So now we're at one income. She was still at the FBI. She's since left. So it's stressful. Mm. And she was like, I don't know what this thing you're doing is, but you're never allowed to stop. <laughs> right? Because well, that's I the was best just, testament to yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right? It's just calmer. Yeah. Right? Handling things a little different. So. 
It's like I'm on a monologue here. You guys can. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. This is great. This is right up my alley. I love this stuff. You what know? I what I liked about your book too is is early on you you talk about you know failures and you like you talked about mm-hmm. you know having a, a bad marriage and things like that and I I think that gives you a little uh, more validity is that you can own that and you own it very early in the book and um, you know it, you don't come across as you know, sort of the be-all, know-all, I, I guess, because you own those right up front and, and you know, you, you face it. Yeah, you know, it, that, and that was purposeful for, <laughs> for a few reasons. Um, first is I've had so many of those screw-ups. I, you just can't run from them. I would be just, I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror. Um, you know, and sometimes along the way you, you make some, some enemies, right? And I thought to myself, I've got to write this book for any detractor that would come after me, yeah. right? Say, oh, he's full of crap yeah. because I knew him when he did these things. And I thought, if I'm going to get people to listen to my message, I've got to make sure that stuff gets... I, I, I don't give anybody any ammunition, so I'm just going to lay it out there. Yeah. First five pages, here it is. Oh, <laughs> own those skeletons in your closet. <laughs> there right it is, just vomited yeah. all over the pages. So anybody who, who wanted to take a shot at me, uh, and call me a hypocrite or whatever. They just, I didn't want to leave them any room. Yeah. And not, not that anybody would do that. Maybe that was a little paranoid. But that's the comment I get on the book a lot. Yeah. Like, hey, that was cool that you, you went through. Well, it makes you human, man. Right? You know, all, all humans make mistakes. And if it was just a book about all your successes, and you might be a little more suspect to it, I think. Yeah, you know? I suppose. I suppose. But yeah. So. Now, how did you get from, go from SEALs to the FBI? So the, I wanted to stay, I wanted to be a SEAL. My entire career, I loved it. Right there was, and I wasn't even a SEAL. I was a SEAL in the '90s, um, so it wasn't even like we were off in combat all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were on deployment when I was at SEAL Team One, and um, I got injured. We were we had we got tasked with a with an operation. We we're going to do a ship takedown. It had two days, so we had a day to rehearse. And it was real bad weather, and uh, I took a 30-foot spill from the top of one boat to another. If, if we have time, I'll tell you the whole story. It's, you yes. know, it's pretty interesting. But anyway, it was enough to get me medically discharged. Now, around that, you know, that, those vulnerabilities, um, I had just gotten into that terrible marriage, right? I had a couple of serious head injuries right before that in the, in the SEAL teams. So now I know these things. I may not have been thinking completely straight in some of these decisions I was making. But in any event, um, it was just, it was a tough recovery. Um, I got hooked on the pain meds. So to get off them, you know, was this whole thing. And then to make matters worse, you know, my wife, she knew my weak spot. So, you know, like young couples do, we were just looking for ways to hurt each other. So she, all she had to do was call the command and be like, you know, Errol's being a yeah. jerk or whatever. So I'd get called in, you know, once a day, you know, finally like, get your stuff together, man. Mm. You know, so the injuries, that, the embarrassment, maybe not thinking straight. Um, you know, I went to the medical board and they're like, look, you, we'll let you stay in, but your, you know, your operating days are, are, are gone for the foreseeable future. We don't know if you're going to get function of these these injuries, and I just remember, any other circumstances, I would have said, yeah, because I, I think I can come back from this. I just had to get out. Like, your reputation is everything in the SEAL teams, and it was just being trampled. I was embarrassed, um, and I didn't need to be. It just was something that was happening to me. All I had to do was talk to somebody. But in any event, I took the medical discharge and got on with my life, um, 
started, you know, in hindsight, it was a good thing, right? I, I kind of had to st- start sitting back and going, I just left something that I loved. What happened? Yeah. Right? What, what were those decisions that I made? Went into the private sector. I was in sales and sales management. It was cool. Um, and I enjoyed it, right? The money was good. That's when software, you know, everywhere. And, um, and then I had a meeting, a sales meeting, big sales meeting. We we're going to close a, close a multi-million dollar deal, right, with Con Edison. And that meeting was the morning of September 11th, 2001, oh, right, wow. in Manhattan. So we were downtown when that happened. I was safe. I was like at a hotel like at the edge of the rubble. You know what I mean? So like it all stopped and you're like, oh my God. Um, you know, lost my brother-in-law that day. And that was just a day where I said, I- I've got to get back in this fight. You know, I don't know how, I don't even know what it looks like. Um, so I applied to all the usual suspects. I went with the FBI and I got the New York City office and I got counterterrorism, and it was like, all right, let's get some. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, I think a lot of people were inspired. I mean, Pat Tillman being the, the well, probably the most notable story. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And me a close second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's what happened, and I'll never forget it. Um, when I came off, because I lived in Hoboken, um, and you know, took the path over right downtown, and that came into the the memorial. The memorial had just been built, and you know, it was just, it was, it was cool, right? Because I remember thinking, all right, this is it. This is my new life and I'm, I'm going to get some now and we're going to get, you know, we're going to get a little get back and, and there it was, the 9-11 Memorial. It was just, a, I'll never forget it. It was cool. But, but anyway, that's the story about how I, wow. I went there. Yeah. And when you were with the FBI, you said you did stuff overseas or was everything mostly in, in New York? Well, so I worked counterterrorism I, and I worked, um, individuals and groups emanating from Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, and the former Soviet republics. Um, So think Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? And so New York is one of the major offices in the FBI, so we have kind of some extra extra territorial authority, if you will. So if we can link a group or an individual some way, shape, or form back here to the United States or New York, then we have the authority to go over there and start asking to do work. You know, we, we got to coordinate with the governments and stuff like that. So I traveled a ton overseas uh, for that stuff, um, and it was pretty cool because my wife, she was an analyst, and I was I was the agent. And that's how we met, wow. and we went to, uh, you know, we did a lot of cool things, man. We we interviewed some hardened, scary terrorists in some hardened, scary places like <laughs> those former Soviet republics. We were the first Americans to ever be in this town, and my wife was the first woman to ever step mm-hmm. foot in this jail. Mm-hmm. And they, <laughs> these guys, man, they still had the big Soviet green uniforms and the huge hats, and the guards who took us literally what felt like 40 feet down had burlap masks on, wow. like burlap masks, yeah. like they cut the eyes out. You couldn't make it up dungeon like the size of the walls were <laughs> water coming out of them <laughs> and the guy you know who we went talk to he lived in a thing half the size of this and he was in there forever and he was a he was a murdering thug but he talked to us for eight hours wow you know what i mean so anyway we had some of those experiences which was pretty cool um so investigatively that's i did that you know a lot 
um, was a part of, you know, played a role in, in a lot of the, the attempts on New York City, you know, small role, right? Everybody, it's all hands on deck, so I wasn't like the main guy in a lot of them. Um, and well, you mean there, there were other uh, probable attacks on New York after that, you're saying? Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I mean, imagine. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, that's, that was funny, too. The um, So I got in in 03, right? So Bush was president so you know and we were really getting it at, getting after it at that point everybody was pretty good with it and then you know when I the Iraq war then it was the excuse for everybody to hate but then you know when President Obama came in you know whatever and this is not an indictment on him I, I couldn't care less but this is just the way it was it was kind of like okay when are we going to get out of this terrorism game um, and then it was all well you're profiling if you go into a neighborhood that's heavily Muslim right. And what you want to scream to people is all law enforcement is profiling, right? right? We have the Russian organized crime squad. We have the Italian organized crime squad. (laughs) We have um, the Crips and the Bloods, right? You name it. We categorize our criminals, (laughs) okay? Because that's the only way way you can investigate it. That's how crime works. That's how crime works. So when you investigated terrorism, at that time you were investigating the Muslim population, right? Or people in it just the way it was they were so on board with helping right and that's where it was kind of got confusing but anyway my point is it got um you know the 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 attacks that were coming on new york they didn't get publicized quite as much because i just felt like with the new administration they just wanted to downplay it yeah that's not really happened but i I can tell you there was always 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 something happening there was always something happening well, it's such a metropolis. It's kind of the mecca, so it's you know, I'm sure it's targeted for sure. You know, oh, top, you know, it's the top target yeah. in the world. Yeah. Right? It just it it it, it, it is. Um, I don't know what's happening these days. I've been out of the game a long time, but there is never there is never a shortage of work to go yeah. to go around. So yeah. Speaking of uh, you know being out, I, I read that you wrote. Um, you loved your job, but you didn't like the environment, and that's what yeah. a good leader does. A good le- leader creates an environment that its employees will love, not so much to be in love with the job specifically itself. You know, and yeah. I, I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah, that's that's why I left the FBI. I loved being a special agent for the FBI. I loved being in law enforcement. I loved I loved everything about it. Um, but there there is a there's a leadership gap in the FBI, right? Mm-hmm. And and some of the stuff that's happened over the last few years kind of bears that out, right? They kind of seen it publicly now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I get people all the time like, "Oh, you must be so mad that people are banging on the FBI." I'm like, "No, I'm not. They they did that. They earned yeah. that. Right. That's what they did." You know, and that that's public trust. So there was a leadership gap in the FBI, and I just kind of started to get tired of it, right? Why do I have to keep fighting to do my job? Right, you always have to get approval for stuff, and that's just the way it is. That's a bureaucracy. I got it, but sometimes it just felt like things were not getting approved because somebody didn't like me personally, mm-hmm. or they just didn't like the way I would do things. So I have the authority to say no, therefore I'll say no. You know, it just got it got tiring. You know. Now that said, I'll always make the caveat: some of the best leaders I've ever met were in the FBI, right? I'll take them with me. If you say, Errol, go get five guys and go to war right now, four of them would be from the FBI. Wow. Right? So, you know, it's it's not the whole thing. But that that's why I left. And, you know, and I tell people that story matters for leadership because I love that job. Mm-hmm. But I left because the environment wasn't good. So I get people who I work with all the time going, people should care more. 
They should care more. And I'm like, why do you care if they care about their job? What do you, you have no control over that. Mm. They may have taken this job because this is the only thing they're qualified for and they need this job. Their motivation to come to work is out of your control and they may be motivated to get money for their kids. I said, but what you can create is an environment that they like, an environment that's predictable, right? Behaviors. Holding everybody, making it clear what you're going to hold them accountable to, right? See behaviors, okay? And then following up with that, right? Anybody can get behind going to an environment like that. I sold copiers when I got out of the SEAL teams. Copiers. No way. I love that job. <laughs> Not because I like copiers. Who cares about copiers? Right. I worked for a guy who was crystal clear on what he expected from everybody, right? Held everybody to the same standard, was completely consistent. The people who didn't measure up left on their own, right? Because it was like, this guy is not going to stop asking me about these same things, and I'm not doing it, so I'm leaving. Mm. Cool, right? Um, so what's not to love? So when that happens and everything's consistent, you follow this guy's process, you make money, all of a sudden you start to get a little pride in that company. You know what I mean? And. People are wanting it the different way. Like, come work for me. Have pride. Like, well, yeah. got to give them something to be proud. Got to give them something yeah. proud of. Yeah. 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 So that's why I talk a lot about environment, and not worrying so much about people's motivation. Yeah. Because uh, it's just you can't control it. I think that makes sense, and it's totally applicable to any career. Anything. You know, anything. Yeah. yeah. Off off topic. Yeah, uh, let's, let's, I just thought of something from my little town back in Maine that maybe you've heard of the USS Pueblo. Ever heard of it? Sure, of course. Yeah, Jim Layton. Yep. Yeah, Jim Layton was on that. He was captured. Obviously, mm -hmm. he was uh, was a prisoner of war for a long time. But mm -hmm. he's from my little town back in Maine. I thought being a Navy guy, maybe that would uh, you would have heard of that at least. Well, yeah. I know the it's a surveillance <laughs> ship, I believe, right? I I don't know captured the off the coast of Vietnam. They claimed that they were in Vietnamese waters. Yeah. Uh, they all survived, I believe, but it, because it was a surveillance ship, they didn't have any way to protect themselves. I mean, I think there was like one M16 on the whole boat or something like that. So they were pretty easily captured. But anyway, Jim yeah. Jim Layton, a guy that was good friends with my dad, I used to go to Rotary Club with my dad every Thursday, and and, and Jim would be there. And, and he was on it. He was on it. Yeah, Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I bet you that was scary. Yeah, yeah. He but, spoke about it a number of times. Spoke to my high school about it. Spoke at Rotary about it. it was a very interesting story i wish i could remember more detail of it but i know that they were he was a prisoner of war for a long time so yeah man those guys they had it hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean every any prisoner of war has it hard yeah. but forget about it forget about it so yeah what else what do we got <laughs> breathing ice baths i, I the whoop i i, I yeah. wear the whoop when i at my door my cat i can't wear it all the time because then i get too nuts so, get, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. so i've got the whoop um so, you know, we'll go into a different area. I've got this was given to me by a group called the Warrior Angels Foundation. And what they do is um, they help people with who have had TBI, right? Traumatic mm -hmm. brain injury. So I was it was funny. I was on. Anyway, I'm on their protocol with vitamins and supplements and they give you this to monitor uh, how you're doing. Who, uh, uh, who's, the, who's the organization? Warrior Angels Foundation. Is that uh? It's not Gordon. Is that guy uh, Dr. Gordon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I heard yeah, about yeah. Them. yeah. 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 They were on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And right. and I work with one of their affiliated doctors, a guy named John Hughes. Um, That's, you know, you say you take supplements and whatnot. I, yeah. I know. I think they have also supplements for like for fighters or any contact sports people. I, I remember him talking about that. Yeah. What kind of stuff they have you taking? <sighs> Man, 
I, I don't even know, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like they sent it, and my wife was like, I'm getting you the pill box, right? The yeah, whole yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. so you don't... Tuesday, Wednesday. That's it? No, that's exactly yeah. what it is, because... So what, you know, if, if you want to hear about how I got involved, you know... Yeah, um, sure. So when I was on Mark Devine's podcast, we I was telling the story about the injury and then all this stuff afterwards... And I don't know if you've ever talked to him or if you've listened to him, but he's, you know, he's a former SEAL and he runs SEAL Fit and he's just a super successful guy and a, just a sweetheart, right? And um, so I'm telling the story and I'm like, you know, and then I just made a series of bad decisions and and he goes, you know, Errol, not for nothing, but you, know, you may not have been thinking right based on the head injuries you had at the time. Nobody had ever said that, that to me ever. And I was like, huh. That's pretty interesting. Fast forward, I'm at, you know, I'm in Colorado. I'm at my in-law's house, and I meet this guy, John Hughes, who's a brilliant physician. And he talks about this Warrior Angels Foundation and TBI, and I literally just tell the story because now we have something in common. Hey, look, listen what happened to my head, right? And he, just, he says, you know, look, let's, I'd like to bring you in for a scan. And I thought he was just being polite. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Right. You know, let's all say we'll do this and then not do it. Sure enough, he follows up with me. He brings me in. The technology now is like you can't even imagine. Puts this thing on my head. Right. It takes longer to put the thing on my head than it does for the whole scan. They do. They have me do three exercises, a little bit of breathing, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Instantaneously, the results come up. Okay. And so he goes, all right. Here's here's a couple things. So this is where, because um, you always wonder if you do the ice baths and the breathing, does any of this matter? Is it really helping? He's like, all right, your heart and your brain sine curve are in perfect formation. He goes, that's a sign of somebody of mindfulness and, and breathing and all that stuff. He goes, that's awesome. I was like, okay, cool. So it works. And, the, and I'll tell you why this really matters in a minute. Then he said, okay, here's the next part of your brain, right? This part that's red right here, that's good. That's You're in something called alpha state at all times. And that's the state you want to be in. That's calm. That's focused. That's aware, right? So you're not letting the negative energy, you know, rule you or whatever, right? Some people are in alpha state. Like they're always just reacting to the environment, right? Okay. Hey, thumbs up. I want to leave right now. He goes, well, here's the problem. See this blue area here? I said, yeah. He goes, that controls the emotion and the, 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 the ability to absorb and handle emotions, right? Frontal lobe stuff, right? Whichever, I'm not sure which part of the brain it is, but it was blue. And he goes, that's not working. And he said, so, for everybody who's listening to say, okay, ice baths and breathing, what does that matter? Well, if I hadn't done all the work to just try to stay level, right, to be in touch with those things, right, to understand the power of the breath and the power of the cold, then that blue area would have sent me God knows where, yeah. right? So it matters. That was really encouraging. Like, that matters. But now the next thing was, okay, now what? So he puts me on this protocol, and he starts with insulin, right? In through the nostrils to the brain. Mm. That's his first move. I'm mm. like, okay, whatever. I don't insulin. Know. Insulin, right? It's a natural. Your yeah. body produces it. It's right. all natural. Mm. There's nothing... With Warrior Angel Foundation, with any of the protocol, it's all supplements and vitamins and things like that. There's no medication. I literally walk to the car, and my wife is like, what happened in there? 
I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you are a different person. I'm like, I just walked into the car. I lighter, not stressed about things. I used to get triggered by loud noises. I haven't had a good night's sleep in 25 years. Right now I'm sleeping like a baby. He's got me on the rest of this protocol. My point is, then he, you know, he called the Warrior Angels Foundation and said, hey, we'd like to get Errol on this protocol. Um, and it's like, there's help. Wow. There's, There's all, all natural stuff. Here, all right? natural stuff. Wow. Yeah, and, I heard great things. Yeah. You know, th- th- I believe in Rogan's podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah, I wish um, those yeah. are the guys. Yeah, Rory, Rory Hamill. I wish he could have. Yeah, no, I know, I know. We had, yeah. we had a a friend, a guest on Rory, one of our first guests early on in our podcast, and um, you know, it was uh, it was about the time COVID came on. It was yeah, just before, right, I believe. Right before, yeah. And uh, he ended up taking his own life. He was, you know, combat wounded vet. He was missing a leg. And, yep. um, you know, that sounded like that would be something ideal for him to participate in. Obviously, too late now, but, you know, you, you learn these things and maybe maybe talking about it can help somebody else listening, you it, know? It's not too late. And, and that's why I'm super appreciative to be here because I figure you guys would let me kind of go some of those places. Yeah. And, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. I promise you there's somebody listening right now, whether they – play a contact sport, whether they're a fighter, whether they were a soldier, and something just doesn't feel right. And I remember when I went into my medical board back in 1999, right? They were like, Errol, we don't know what to do with you. You look fine. Usually we have people coming in here with missing arms. Mm. You know, and I was just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, my head hurts really bad. And it, they didn't even register that. Right. Right. I could go through the head injuries that I had and the lack of care that I got. It was, it's not, I'm, I hope it's not happening that way now. Right. But the point is that this is, they call it, right, the invisible injuries. Right. Mm. And I just used to think I could, I'm just kind of an asshole, I guess, sometimes. Right. I just lose my temper. I snap. Even though I'm apologizing right away. Right. You do something, you make a loud noise. I'm, ah. Sorry about that, right? Yeah. That gets old after a while, yeah. having to apologize <laughs> all the time. Well, I'm sure it gets old on the other end, too. It gets yeah. old on the yeah. other yeah. end. Right. So you just think, like, why don't I sleep, right? You know, I'm up half the night walking around, whatever. Why? You know, I, this is just my life. And, you know, the message is it, there appears to be a way to help. Mm-hmm. So since since you've been doing this, tr- uh, sleep, been sleeping good? And, yes. Wow, that's amazing. The biggest thing, the biggest thing has been, because the sleep... The sleep is everything, right? If yeah. you're not sleeping, you're waking up all pissed off anyway. That probably messes with your stress. And level. then that messes right. with your yeah. stress level. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's so being able to sleep was the biggest part. Um, but then just the thing I noticed the most also was they ask you, you know, do you have a sensitivity towards noise? I didn't even know what the the question meant, right? I get, but what kind of noise? What are you talking about? Like if I hear a bomb, do I? Go? I don't know. Um, but the answer was yeah. Because if I hear somebody chewing on a carrot too loud, <laughs> I'm like, I can't even take this. You, right? you would hate to be around me chewing gum, man. <laughs> no, but, but, it's, but it's it's not it's not rational. Right. It's not reasonable, right? If my dogs are walking and their nails are click, 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 you know, I would get like that. God forbid my kids start screaming, yeah. right? Whatever it is. I knew I was in pretty good shape when my six-year-old daughter snuck up behind me and screamed in my ear, bah! And, and I was just like, ah, she's so cute. That's awesome. <laughs> and I remember I thought to myself, holy Christ, this might actually be working. Yeah. Wow. So 
um, it's early stages, right? That's great. Tom. They're going to go back and do another scan, and maybe they're going to find out that nothing's wrong. Yeah. Mm. But vitamins and supplements, right, based on what they clearly know. Say or, the name of the organization one more Warrior time. Warrior Angel Foundation. Warrior Angel Foundation. Yeah, and they were on, they were on Rogan a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A couple times. Yeah, I remember hearing them... Uh, I, it really just caught my eye because they they have uh, I guess packs for for athletes too you know I'm sure and obviously you know getting ahead you, is definitely uh, have you ever <laughs> had it's kind of what you do I, 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 I tried to have a serious conversation with this guy a few podcasts ago about you know TBI and things like that whether you know could possibly affected him he's such a tough guy he doesn't want to hear it but have you ever had a brain scan yeah yeah you have mm-hmm. like brain mapping similar to what he did not with not with not not that way I had just. Uh, to see how much any any white brain matter, and I had none, which is a good good sign. Oh, okay. Would that be something you would you do? Something? Yeah, like I think I would. Yeah. I know the UFC has has uh, teamed up with the Mayo Clinic, I think, and they're doing some stuff. For, they're even talking about uh, using psilocybin for for a lot of stuff as well. Yeah, I'm hearing what, what great is, what things is psilocybin? about psilocybin. psilocybin. is magic mushrooms. It's oh, the, okay. It's, it's the active a psychoactive chemical in in like okay. magic mushrooms, but I think they're using it for. PTSD, you know, uh, I read something I've I mentioned it on like the that. podcast before, but like a a microdose of psilocybin. Yes, but not even. I mean, they're they're documenting. They're even doc like for people that had like maybe maybe soldiers, but even someone that maybe got abused or something had a very traumatic experience. And you sit down with a therapist, and you, you take a psilocybin dose, and you kind of work your way through right. the situation. And a lot of people, but the the, the study I read it says. You know, in many cases, a, a small dosage of that can have the same effects as like a month-long use of heavy, heavy antidepressants. Yeah, yeah. well, it's an all-natural, which I'm all about. You know, yeah, you know, I, I've got, a, I've got a, an opinion on that, not good or bad, but I do have an opinion. First of all, right, the antidepressants, all that stuff. I mean, when are we going to get over this? I agree. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's, right. I, I think it's pretty clear that right. it's making people worse. Right. Mm. Um, the as a guy that was on it, I totally 100% agree with that statement. Yeah, and I, I was listening yeah. to one of your shows. Yeah. You were talking about yeah. it. It doesn't – you've got a couple bottles over it. Let's just yeah. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's the difference, yeah. right? And you're still going to wake up. But Good um, Friday's coming up. So, so the – the um, is that why we don't have drugs? <laughs> okay. um, so the, the, the psychedelics, right? I'm not really for them or against them, but the Wim Hof method, right, that will get you into that state. The uh, hypo hypotropic breathing. Or well, th- that would that would. Uh, I mean, is that what it's called? I think that's a one form of it, right? I mean, he calls it, you know, hof, hyperventilation, hoffervation, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, right. but if you do it, if you're focused, right? If you're concentrating, and you start, if and even if you trail off to just standard meditation, that will get you into a place that you haven't been. I do these mm-hmm. workshops all the time. Right, and I have people breathing, and people are coming out of it like I don't even know where I just was. Yeah. So my point is, back to your original point about the breath, mm. the breath can get you to those same places right. as mm. those psychedelics. Yeah. Now, they're natural. I got it. I I wouldn't trust myself on it. You know what yeah. I mean? I just wouldn't trust myself. And there's something to be said for the discipline that goes along with. Let me get to that spot. Just through my breath. Mm. Now again, I'm not. Think, ba- I'm think, not banging on anybody who's trying yeah. it. Okay, but I think there's probably a lot of people that that didn't know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then and, and talking to the average Joe, myself, who's never done breathing techniques or Wim Hof method or anything, you know, talking to our audience, 
How does someone start with that? Where do you learn? Where do you get your information? You go into YouTube, you go into Google. Yeah. How, how yeah. does somebody learn? And, and I'm interested. I yeah. think I think for a guy programmed the way I'm programmed, it would be exponentially beneficial for, for me. Where, where, where do I learn how to do it? Start with you. an audio book. You know? Well, right. www.leader193.com. Errol Dobler is the yes. CEO of that company. <laughs> but no, I mean, look, all joking aside, let's put a day aside. I'll bring you both through a session. Okay. Very cool. And yeah. that's that's how you start. Um, Wim Hof is all over the YouTube. Yeah. Right? Go go see one of his things. You can go, literally you can go to my website. The, the the information is is out there. Now I'm I'm just asking questions here but you know I've, I've dealt and I know a lot of people do anxiety attacks you get is the proper time to to execute the Wim Hof method or breathing techniques when you're in the middle of that because it's not always okay. it's not always the a little the, off off not off topic there's a, a kid that an 18 year old kid that was driving down yes Cooper, Washington just happened yeah. crossed over the double line hit someone head on. They had the medevac to right. get the woman to the to the because hospital because he was doing breathing techniques. He was doing a breathing while he was driving. While he was driving. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's one of the first things we talk about in the Wim Hof things. Right. Don't <laughs> don't do don't, don't be operating heavy yeah. machinery while you're breathing because yeah. you'll go into a weird spot. To your question, right? Like Panic for a, a, example, if you're on stage and you're speaking, not that this would happen to me, but if I was on stage and I was speaking to a thousand people, if I can, typically speaking, if I can get through the first five or ten minutes, I'm good. But it's that initial. You, I can't. You can't be up there and be like, "Hang on, give me, give me five minutes. I'm gonna, or give me twenty minutes. Right. I'm gonna do some to breathing breathe, techniques." Yeah. How, how, how does one do that? How does one find the time and when is the proper place to do that? Because okay. that's when I think I would need it. And I kind of like those battles. I kind of like those, you know, internal struggles because I like to battle through it. I don't want it to control my life, you know. Right. So I like to battle through it and 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 figure out how. But yeah. if if breathing techniques can help me with that, I'm all about it. Yeah. I will, I will share an anecdote okay. with you, right? Well, it's not an anecdote. It's a story. It happened. Um, but it's funny you say the language you used, battle, right? I just did a, you know, I'm Instagram, right? You got to get on there and do, say stuff. And I, I was talking about, you know, are we battling with our demons, right? Is that really making it better, battling ourselves? Mm. Or do we start need to be partnering with ourselves, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, the language we use really yeah. matters. I digress a little bit. So, um, right, I, the precursor to the story is uh, when I was in the FBI, I got attached to the 75th Ranger Regiment, right? They needed people like me and other FBI agents who had experience interviewing terrorists and could handle themselves on the battlefield because our special ops forces, while they will crush every target out there, they weren't as adept at now talking to people and getting information for right. intelligence, right? So they said, all right, let's 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 put some people like Errol in there with them. So I was there in 2010. We saw a ton of combat, right? It was an awesome experience, and, you know, and then now I'm back. Fast forward 2016 or 2017, I start my business. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm about to go on a call, and I usually have a book with me because um, I'm always early, and so I duck into a coffee shop and I pull out a book by a guy named Simon Sinek called Leaders Eat Last and he starts with this story of a pilot named Johnny Bravo okay and he's talking about Johnny Bravo and he's up in the air and he's supporting this special operations unit on the ground I'm like okay cool right? That's, I, I can relate to this and he's describing the terrain now and I'm like oh, they're definitely talking about Afghanistan 
And then he's talking about how they're going into this canyon. And in the canyon, the, the, uh, the fog is starting to settle on top, so he can't see underneath it. And I'm thinking to myself, I definitely know where they are because there's only one group of people, only special ops forces would go to that area purposely. I know where they're talking, right? So I'm really into this story. Okay, and Johnny Bravo's like, I had to go underneath the clouds in the canyon, and they were ambushed. And I'm like, I can relate to that, right? Because we were in those firefights. I'm just digging the whole story, okay? Enjoying it. It's it's a great book, great story, until I realize my book is soaking wet. I'm sweating all over the place, and I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm having a panic attack. And then I kind of do a double dish like oh my god i'm having a panic attack right i'm panicking about that right so i got the double thing going so what was my what's the point here where did i go right i was like this is familiar how is this familiar this is what happens every time i step into an ice bath it is an induced panic attack and i i thought of that and i'm like what do i do when i'm in the ice bath i take a breath i get control of my breath Right? No. Get it out, right? Because the science, the vagus nerve calms you down. Get control of my breath and then see what happens. Hope for the best. And that's what I did. I took two deep breaths, chilled out. Okay? I was like, okay, that's over. Right? Went on to my meeting, went home, told my wife uh, what happened. And she was like, well, do you think you need to go see somebody? Think you have PTSD? And I'm like, look, I. I'll tell you, I might stay here for three hours, you know, spilling my guts to you guys, right? I, I'll talk to anybody. Right, right. I don't have a problem with that. But I said, what are they going to do for me? Right. They're going to give me a pill? That's the way I right. look at it. They're going to. That's the way I look at it. They're going to try to figure out how to not give me panic attacks, and I just did that. Right. And she was like, huh. Yep. You, look. That's why I, I probably phrased it wrong, because words do matter. I said, battle my demons. Or, yeah. You know, and, and, and I can, we kind of learned that from Mike Dolce when, when he was in here, and he's a dietitian. But I said, cheat day. And he's like, let's not call it a cheat day, because it's got a negative connotation. Let's call it an earned day. There you, you know, go. Right, day, right. You know what I mean? So it does make sense. But, yeah, it's also funny that you said the realization that you're having a panic attack sort of brings on a whole other level and, to a panic attack. And what because, is it? It's emotional awareness. Right. You realize people around you may be seeing it, and that makes it worse. That yep. magnifies it. You that's know? right. So, yeah. That's right. So so that's it. You know, and, and my wife, God bless her, she never agrees with me because I'm never right. Right? right. She's I'm like, oh, I guess you're right again. Even she was like, huh. Yeah. But it's still, for people listening, this guy's a Navy SEAL, <laughs> yeah. works for the FBI. <laughs> And he's getting a panic attack reading a book. You know, people I, don't but, realize that. But, but it can happen to anybody. It can happen but, to anybody. But you're like the bravest guy I know. You're a fighter. You stand in front of dudes. You, you, you get punched in the face all the time. And I take you out on a motorcycle and I look over and you're fucking nervous as shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm white knuckling that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> every, you know, what comes natural to some is totally foreign to others. And, you know, For like sure. me on bike, I've never been more comfortable in my life. I'm totally at ease and no nervousness. But, I, you know, it's, that's foreign to you and it's right. scary to you and if you put me in a ring i'd be terrified you know so. yeah but it's still the same process right, right? Exactly. what do we talk about from the beginning i tell you the, the process is always the same right. you still have to recognize what's happening to you what's right. you, what's your emotion right whatever that emotion was i don't need to put a name on it but it was there right. what am i doing i'm shaking and sweating what do i want to do how do i want to be i want to calm down what's my plan the situation is i'm in starbucks having a panic attack my mission is to get this panic attack over right. what are my actions 
breathe. <laughs> right? Yep, yep, that's it. Yep. What happens if it's not working? Contingency. Yep. Keep breathing because that's the only you way. Do. You do get those short breaths. And, that's right. You know, right. It's, 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 it feels like you're almost choking. You and know? That, is, that is what you – so, again, the cold exposure, there's so much to talk about when, you know, physiologically, how it strengthens our immune system. But this is the real practical one, mm -hmm. right? You said it yourself. How do I battle these panic attacks? Well, you've got to start from a base. Yeah. You've got to start with something that you know, okay? And so know, induce your own panic attack by getting into an ice bath, mm -hmm. learn how to breathe through it and get calm, and now, okay, again, I tell people in moments of crisis, you go to what you know. What do you know? At that moment, I knew ice baths and I knew how to breathe through that panic that's immediately what I went to until you have that base you're going to just go to what you know which might be could be anything I don't know what it is you're like oh fuck you know whatever it is yeah. right that's always I always like uh, you know stuff gets hard or tough I'm like man Cutting weight and wrestling was harder than this you know what I'm saying <laughs> you always have, like you said you always have something to fall back on but like okay I've been here before how do I get through it it's a basis yeah. right you yeah. have a baseline that you're applying, to, you can apply it to anything, right? Cutting weight, I don't even know. I, I just, I, I get too hungry. But yeah. my point is, there's still a process, yeah. and it's still a stressful process. You've got to internalize some some demons that you're going through. You don't want, you know, you want that cookie. There's still a process you go mm -hmm. through, and I guarantee that's the same process you go through in other stressful times or hard For times. Sure. For you know, sure. it's, it's, mm -hmm. So that's what it is. We're solving it all right now. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do you do any public speaking? or I do. Um, you know, obviously over the last year, um, you know, it's all, all, it's all, it's all yeah, Zoom yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And, you know, you get, you get the phone calls. Um, I, I wasn't focused on those keynote speeches early on. I really wanted to, to coach people. That was stupid. That should have been my first go because the guys who, guys and gals who, who get it into the, that keynote speaking, they can make a living off of it. Yeah. So, sure. I'm behind the curve on that. Yeah. So once things get back to normal, I mean, I, I would imagine you'd be a, a perfect candidate for you know everything you've done in your career and the fact that you're into the breathing and the ice baths. You have a really different uh, take. Not, I mean, I'm sure a lot of, I would imagine a lot of Navy SEALs and soldiers probably into a lot of these aspects too. But yeah, you seem to got pretty grip on it. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, so my name is Errol Dobler. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. <laughs> but so no, it's going to be something we're going to get into because it's it's. Um, it's not it's just low, business. It's it could, I mean, you 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 could be speaking to New York Giants. You know yeah, what I mean? It's all yeah. applicable. You know, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, look, the clients I had, I, I consider those public speaking engagements. Right? I go right. in, right. they say we want to have you in for three hours. Well, we're going to get deeper on the curriculum and things like that. But you know, look, people hire me because they want to hear a couple of good stories. Right. So if I yeah. can relate the story. To my process, all the better, right? Well, it's like you know, good teachers have you can get your attention, you know. Mm -hmm. And as long as you you have a good story, you get their attention, and then you probably be able to sneak anything else you want to get in, <laughs> right? <know? laughs> well, you know, I'll tell them about the book and the process. But here's, but yeah, so I enjoy. Look, I enjoy the, the speaking to folks. I enjoy, and and the more I'm into this thing now, um, the more I truly enjoy just watching people get a little better, right? It, it's 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 really really rewarding. When you work with somebody for two months and you can see they come back to you and they say, you know, the work stuff is going pretty good, but my home life is getting better, right? Because it's a motion thing and being aware and deciding and, 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 and sharing behaviors that we want for each other. It's just made all the difference. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's worth the price of admission. So. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of leadership, I know Frankie's going to roll his eyes, but in the in the world we're living in, it seems to be at the highest level now. We're we're struggling with some some good leadership, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm, that has a trickle down effect to some degree, I'm sure. You're yeah. a Joe, Joe Biden fan. You yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> how, how do you feel? Like, I, I, Every time I bring up politics, he's like, <laughs> ah, gotta go there. Yeah. Gotta gotta go there. How, how do you feel? I, I've seen you know you know Tim Kennedy. Mm. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always respect people. That have done what you have, and mm-hmm. he has. I, I, I respect their. I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Just because yeah. you know, you guys are you guys done it, man. You guys are literally fighting for our freedoms. You know, mm-hmm. to me, like you guys take the cake. I, I would take your opinion and, and your you know thoughts on things uh, 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 over any politician any day of the week. Agreed. You know. Agreed. Uh, but do you see that they hired the, who was a former military guy for the diversity, like they're trying to for diversity in the military. And I seen Tim really push back on. You see that? Well, did you see that they? they and they just, got rid of him though. They already got rid of the guy. Oh wow! They yeah. already read because they they searched his social media and seen he's like very, uh, you know, I guess uh, I don't even call it bipartisan or whatever. But he was uh, a little little uh, had some, you know. I'm not familiar with who he is. Yeah. Uh, so but what? The, t- Tim got after him. He was, well, it, he was just saying there's the place. You know, our military. Our only job in the military is to win. Yeah, you know, he's like, I'm gonna take. I want the best person next to me. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. color they are, yeah. what race they are, anything. That that's it. He's like, there's no need for this to, to be in our in, in you know in war. There's yeah. no need for that. Yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm happy to weigh in on that. Right. So I get I get questions like that around politics sometimes, and I generally, unless it's in my area of expertise, then I'm just a, a person adding noise. Mm. So I'll you know people used to ask me about Trump all the time. I'm like, look, from a leadership perspective. Here's what I like. Here's what I didn't like. And here's what I would have told them. In this case, I, I think it's the same thing, right? The problem I have with the diversity thing is diversity of what? If just skin color is mm. that really what we're doing? That we, seems to be we, what the emphasis is on no, for I, sure. <laughs> I got it right, but you know, where are we talking about diversity right. of thought? Right? right? Where are we? Are we talking about diversity of religious beliefs? Correct. Well, are we talking about you know what diversity are we talking about? So. When I'm working with people, I don't, I'm not big on platitudes unless I'm defining them, right? The term culture, I make sure I define, here's what I mean by culture, right? Now let's talk about it. Diversity, what are we talking about? Right. And and that's that's the biggest problem. We are not defining what we mean. I think that's important with any conversation. Ben Shapiro is famous for that defining a word before you even talk about it, or even Stephen Crowder. But, but you know, especially def- like like right. in military, or in, especially in the special forces, like because uh, Tim was saying like there's not enough people to even pick from nowadays. Right, right. Now you're wearing it. There's not even a good soldier to pick from for a you know, maybe a Navy SEAL, yeah. a Ranger, and whatnot. He said, just no one qualifies. And now you're going to worry about having a diversity in that, right, th- right. in that, that, in that department as well. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's and I agree with him. It's so, I get it, right? I get the history, right? I, I'm not stupid. I understand what the country did, right? right. But here's a funny thing about history. It will always Repeat have happened. Yeah, no, yeah. it will always have happened. Right, yeah. We cannot get rid of it. Mm. We can apologize, We, but at some point, yeah. we have to move past it to a degree, not forget it, but we have to move past it. And what am I talking about? It goes right back to our, the beginning of our conversation. Right now, this country is in a repeat mode of anger based on stuff that happened. Right. Okay. It doesn't matter what was tried to be done to right. fix it, or that things have gotten better. It's living in the past. Right? Yeah. All we're doing is living in the past, and now we are yeah. just looking for areas to find any anything in our environment to justify our emotion of right. anger. That's where we are right now. Right. That's why you. It's can't, hard to move forward with that mindset. It's hard to you, move forward with <clears throat> that mindset. You yeah. can't if 
we cannot have a logical discussion around diversity if we keep going back right. to because the then you're Ill's. living you're living in that time we're living frame in, and you're living we're in living that, in yeah. it. And, and it's not applicable right now right. right and we can't have the same number of brown people and yellow people and white people and green people for the simple reason that we're not all equally distributed right. around the country right we can't have the same number of Christians and Muslims and Buddhists in the same place because correct there's 90% Christian so you're going to have so where's the diversity there and that correct. would be yeah. my argument to people but that's a that's an opinion that boy it's you've got to be careful yeah. if you express it I'm expressing right. it because I believe right. in it, but I, I but can I, talk you know, about I, it. I don't think anybody cares if, like, I mean, I wouldn't care in the if I my the guy I'm fighting a war was is or a woman or a man or a Muslim I, or a I black person could or anything. Care less. I just want to make sure he's qualified. Right. As <laughs> long as it. you're not lowering yeah. the the um you know the guidelines to get in. If you're not lowering those guidelines, I don't care. As long as the guideline is the same across the board, why would I care? You, you know an ass mean? kicker. You're in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, look, <laughs> you know, so... But that is happening. Women in they the, are lowering the... the well, guidelines. women in the SEAL teams, right? Um, they've just recently, in the last several years, said, okay, women, you're up. And I, I get that question a lot. And my answer is just that. What do I care? Right. Yeah. As right. long as they go through the training and they make it, that right. means they're hard. G.I. Jane, bro. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great movie. Shit. Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. probably her at her hottest. Yeah. So, but, you know, but look, to, to be fair... Right, you know there. It's it's always a discussion worth having. It, it absolutely is, okay. Um, and that's my opinion. But my challenge will always be diversity of what. Right. If if it's just color we're talking about, let's just say it. Right. And that's cool as yeah. long as we're being honest. Right. Then we can reasonably define it. Yeah. Let's define it. If we're talking about political affiliation, that's diversity. Are we having that? Let's yeah. define it. Right. What do we mean? Because there's just too many you ways. You see, they to go. just made the military uh, re- renew their uh, their pledge to the country, which supposedly only happens three times. I think it's when you enlist, when you re-enlist, and when you ser- maybe serve overseas. But they just made them do it all again because you know supposedly there's white supremacists in the military, and we're supposed to be weeding them out. So the new administration made them re-up their their. I was going to say vows, but that's not the pledge. right word. Their just pledge, yeah. meaning like I will support and defend the Constitution yeah, of the United States yeah, yeah, yeah. against foreign and dem- like, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> never in the history of our our military has never been done outside of those three things. Okay, and they just so, made them do it again. I'll talk a bit, little bit about white supremacy, okay? Um, because I investigated white supremacists. Mm-hmm. While in the FBI. While in the FBI. They're a terrorist. They're a terrorist. They are, they are, domestic, right. they are a domestic terrorist organization. Right. Right. Okay. As well they should be. Sure. sure. Right? I don't think anybody would argue with that. Nobody argues with it. Now look, unless everywhere else besides the state of New Jersey, they are just running things. I hate to tell you folks, but I investigated them. They weren't up to much. (laughs) They weren't up to much. Now, maybe the psycho who takes a gun, right, and does what he does and then screams white supremacy, you know, okay, yeah, let's, he's he's an asshole. He's a white supremacist. But trust me when I tell you, from my experience, which I think I can speak with some form of expertise, they're not the ones we need to be worried about, (laughs) okay, as a group a KKK or whatever they are. 
I'm not talking about Lone Wolf. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Psycho Boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a guy who's just saying he's that, but he's still a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Right? Bad. Bad mm-hmm. across the board. But from a national threat standpoint, they, they, they were morons, right? Get, <laughs> get were, your shit up, Rod. <laughs> get your shit up, bro. <laughs> they were, they were mor- fucking idiot. They were morons. I interviewed so many of I them. I mean, it, it, it was someone th- to be that narrow-minded right. and have those ideologies. You would think they have to be somewhat of, of a moron. They right? were morons. They <laughs> were know? absolute morons, yeah. right? So again, if anybody's like, oh, Errol's defending white supremacists. No, no, no. <laughs> I've met them. They <laughs> are morons. Fucking idiots, yeah. And they're not posing much of an organized threat because right. they're so stupid that they couldn't organize right. a birthday party if they yeah. had to. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, I get it. That's kind of the new thing. Um, well, it's being so heavily pushed that, that this, this you know, race issue is so heavily pushed down your throat. Any channel, I don't even watch the news anymore, you know, but from a guy who's investigated that, is it that Major, well, I mean, when did you retire out of the FBI? 2016. Oh, so not that long ago. No, not that long ago. Look, I also investigated, um, I investigated uh, Crips and Bloods, Mm -hmm. okay? Those are are black gangs. Mm -hmm. You know, what we're not hearing about, first of all, they're way more organized and smart, right, than those idiots in the white supremacy. Now, I'm not saying, so now we have to be careful. Everybody knows the Crips and the Bloods are bad, right? But- they are professional criminals. Like mm-hmm. when you go break down a door there, you're either going to get one or two things. Yeah. You're going to get a fight or you're going to get a bunch of dudes like this waiting for you. Because they know the Because they know. They yeah, know yeah. the drill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ever, and, ever had any dealings with MS-13? I keep hearing they're like the baddest dudes. Uh, not, not a whole lot. No. Not a whole lot. But my point is, here's what we're not hearing around a lot of this stuff. The communities that those psychos ruin, those people want to help law enforcement more than anything they want. I'm, when I'm telling you it is that percentage of the people that are crushing neighborhoods, everybody else just, like, please come in here and do help something. Us out, yeah. Yeah, help us out. Now, law enforcement is dropping the ball a lot on that, right? We're getting people to trust us, and then all of a sudden we don't prosecute the people that they're informing on. That's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so where are we going with a lot of this race stuff? Again, from a leadership perspective, we're not telling the entire stories across the board, okay? We're not. You know, is there inequality in the black community, in the Hispanic community? I, I guess somebody would have those, those, those numbers. I don't have them. But I've been in there, okay, and I've been in those bad neighborhoods, and I've talked to— the, the the black population, the Hispanic population. And I'm here to tell you, they want order. They want that criminal element out, okay? And it, we're just not talking enough about that. Yeah. That those communities, right, are struggling because they're being held hostage. We, right. The law enforcement needs to do something in a bigger, better way. But now it's kind of like, okay. It's well, a lot of pressure on law enforcement, you know? Well, now it's a lot of pressure yeah. because if we're going in and we're making arrests, you know, it, it's just... Again, these are all real issues, but the leadership is is what is what's hurting us on these things. You know, it's just it's it's all one side. And then when I was growing up, I think my my parents would have been happy, proud, maybe even pushed me to be in the military or a police officer. I wouldn't push my kids to do either of those in today's day and age, you know. 
you know, it, it's, it's it's a scary place. It's, you know, it's it's, it's so it's, it has changed so much. I mean, I know they're two completely different examples of what's going on, but you know, they used to be sort of um, prideful entities, and I, I think that they're very downtrodden now. And a lot of people look at them like they're evil. You know, well, not I, so much the military. No, no, no. But it, but again, here's look. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story if you've got time. I don't know if we. You know. Oh, we had all the time in the world, the, brother. So, deadly force policy. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things about unarmed people getting shot, things like that. Here's the first rule of thumb. If you're carrying a gun and you have an altercation, you are in a gunfight. Absolutely. That's it. You are in a gunfight. There doesn't need to be two guns mm. to be in a gunfight. That said, here's here's a story. I, I was um, I was working with a NYPD police de- detective and we were working terrorism. Right. So we're ask, going around asking questions. Right. And we finally get somebody say, all right. You need to go talk to this person there, right? They might be able to direct you better, right? So it wasn't somebody who was a terrorist or a terrorist supporter. It was somebody who knew somebody. We needed an angle. So we're like, all right, cool. So we went and on our way to talk to him, and clearly somebody gave him the heads up that we were coming, right? He comes out of his door, right? And it's a, it was a crappy place, just a bad, it was a bad neighborhood, the whole thing. He comes out of his door, with the tall neck butt bottle, right, upside down. And we're like, whoa. Now, I had the lead, right, because it was a narrow thing, and my partner was behind me. So I kind of had to, I was I was running the show here at this point. How are we going to deal with this guy? Calm down, the whole thing, right? Whew, he breaks the bottle. One step closer, and I'm coming at you. He literally says this. By law, by by deadly force rules, I could have shot him dead at that moment. And I would have been justified, right? If it happened today, it would have been me shooting an unarmed man or yep. a beer, you know, bottle, why didn't you shoot him in the leg or whatever. I promise you, if it goes to court, I'm getting off. Right. Because, oh, that's a deadly force situation right. and so on. Now, But you've already been convicted by the public even before you went to court. But that's what we're not, that's, again, the conversation we're not having, Okay. Yes, I've seen some of the videos of people getting shot, and it's like, that guy needs to go to jail forever. Right. Okay, that was wrong. But that's not generally what's happening. No. Okay, or we're not at least getting the whole story. Now, I ended up talking that guy down, but in all the scary situations I've been in, that was the scariest. Because that was the one where I was like, this guy is going to make me shoot him. Yeah. I, he's going to make me shoot him. That has to be terrifying. It was, I, I was like... I, and, you know, when we left, my partner was like, it's a good thing you were up front because I almost went over your shoulder and shot him anyway. Mm, wow. Now, I remember I had the plan. I was like. Would you be the same person today if that had happened? Probably not. I, you know, who knows? Yeah. But again, I'm not trying to make a point that nobody who gets shot, everybody deserves it who gets shot. I'm not making that point. The point I'm making is from a leadership perspective. What we're listening to is one side. Right. People are just taking one side and running with it. Right. And there's not there's not just one side, especially in these things yep. that are happening. I remember that before that guy put that bottle down, I was going to holster and go, okay, come on. Because I knew I had him behind me, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I was okay. Yeah. But anything to not shoot that guy. Now, finally, he put it down and he talked to us. And yeah. He was... He was crazy. We didn't even arrest him. We we're like, dude, don't don't do that again. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so 
Anyway, I'm not even sure what the point of the story we were talking about. I was just telling, telling <laughs> yeah, no, just uh, the fact that you're not they're not looking at both sides of the story. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. and again, so what's my where, where's my expertise in this? Right, it's, it's a leadership thing because we're listening to the politicians now. Yeah, and the politicians well, it, are just it, grabbing one side. It, I don't they just want to divide it. I don't think it's solely the politicians. It's also the media. You know the media; they're 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 oh, they're, they're the puppets ratings. of the politicians, right? They are too. Yeah, they are. But they're it's also you know money ratings. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. getting the the most divisive stories out there for ratings. And you know, if 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 you put a headline out there that's unarmed black guy shot, you know, by a police officer, that's that's going to bring a lot of viewership, and people are going to be up in arms. And you know, but. Uh, like you said, I think a lot of times the whole story is not told. Yeah, now look, the, the whole thing that set this off, right, the George Floyd thing, let, 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 let's, let's break that down, yeah. okay? There is a, and we go back to, to my book, here's what the law enforcement is missing, okay? They're missing training based on emotion, Yeah. okay? What was that guy's name? What was the cops? I don't even remember uh, his name. Derek Chauvin. Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. Whatever his name. Yeah. Chauvin, we'll call him. He wasn't wrong initially, okay? I've got to subdue somebody. The best way to do that, right? You want to control somebody, where do you go? You go to their neck, right? That's it. Now, that said, he was handcuffed. He was lying on the ground. I don't think we needed the neck sit anymore. Now, here's the problem. That's a problem in of itself. But the bigger problem is that his partners, and I know they were rookies, okay, but here's where the training comes in. Somebody should have had the wherewithal to say, Derek. Yeah. I, we got him. <laughs> I got him. I, let, let me take it yeah. from here. Right. Yeah. Let me yeah. take it from here. Because clearly, and apparently they knew each other, right? So there's all this stuff right, going on, right. right? So, yeah, what he did, you know, he's going to get I don't know anybody gets. that would argue with you with that perspective of it. That, Certainly the that's perspective the problem, that was right? put out there by the media that, you know, he was – a law-abiding citizen that, you know, there's a lot of video that's come out recently that, that shows a lot more to that story, but there's no reason he should have, I think it was like 20 minutes or something. Yeah, and, and it's 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 irrelevant if know. he was a law-abiding citizen. It, right. It's truly irrelevant, no. okay? And I get what no, you're I, saying. I, I agree. But I that's, agree. Where, that's where when we talk about police reform, okay, that's where we need the reform. That's where right. the, the conversations need yeah. to go. Guys, right. where are we on these emotions, right? I couldn't, you know, it's funny, right? I was in special operations. I was on, New, you know, New York SWAT team. I was a SEAL, doing all these things, right? And everybody's like, oh, that's so crazy. And I'm like, it wasn't. You know why? Because we always got the drop, mm. right? We were the ones controlling the action. It mm. never seemed like it was that crazy to me. What's crazy to me is in Afghanistan, the regular army troops just rolling around in their, you know, Humvees waiting to get ambushed. (laughs) The patrol, the beat cop, who's just got to literally always have his head on a swivel, right? right? That, to me, is crazy. And those are the guys, more and girls, more than anybody, who need the training around, let's let's put the machismo aside, let's talk about what are we doing when we feel a certain way. We got to talk about when you have yeah. that surprise element because you're 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 already briefed. You know who you're dealing with. You've right. got all. You probably even know their behavior pattern and if they're aggressive or not. But you're right. The average beat cop who's approached by a crazy person, that's that's a spur, you know spur of the moment thing that he he is he would have no idea. So I think with training would even be more crucial there. And even more mundane than that, 
right? Because that's one instance, right? Because if a crazy person approaches them, they're going to go right to their law enforcement physical stuff. It's, I'm getting a bad feeling, but I still have to walk around this neighborhood and not look threatening, right? Because right? what's the thing now, right? The, the cops in the community aren't, aren't meshing right. Mm -hmm. Probably because the cops are walking around like this a little bit, right? But they can't be too off their guard because then something bad can happen. Right. So for them to be able to identify and process that stuff, the emotion-based, okay, I'm feeling like I'm a little on edge and I'm looking like I'm on edge. I can't look like I'm on edge. I have to relax. I have, how's my face muscles, right? That, that stuff matters. Yeah. That stuff matters, Damn. right? Because if somebody's looking for trouble and they see a law enforcement officer clenched up, there you go. I got it. If I want yeah. to provoke that person, yeah. there it is. That's this is, this is yeah. going to be easy. This you know, that's guy. even more important because I'm, I'm friends with a few of them as COs because you're surrounded all day by hardened criminals, you know, so your your demeanor and your, your outward, I guess, energy makes a big difference there because, you know, if you're a beat cop, probably the majority of people passing you by are, are friendly, you know, like law-abiding people, but as a CO... You're in there with the hardest of the hard, you know? So. I don't know how those guys do yeah. that. And so, girls. I, don't I would know think if you woke up and you were having a bad day, it'd probably be best to call out of work that day. You know? I, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I don't know how. I That's that's a whole other yeah. animal. But, you know, again, look, I, I hope I didn't get, I hope I presented a fairly balanced but leadership-based opinion on some of these. these we just talked about topics yeah. that nobody wants to talk right, about. No, right. Right. No, we just no. hit them no, all. Well, it's good you, you, <laughs> right. you, you brought it to a leadership, you know, perspective too, and right. how you know, if we had better leadership, a lot of that stuff could have been avoided. A lot right. of it can be avoided, right? Again, defund the police. I mean, what a who's the the Seattle mayor or the Portland mayor? Uh, yeah, He's yeah. now asking for two million dollars yeah. to beat the police. <laughs> crazy. I mean, what an idiot! Yeah. Right? right? What an idiot! But that's the leadership, right? He just. Got emotional, right. took one stance. Yeah, defund the police. Didn't have the guts to say, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to implement some new training. Let me get the experts in here. Right. Because what just happened, what can we be doing different so it doesn't happen again? But he, he's a coward, right? That's I. No question. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it, yep. especially because... He's backing down on what he said. But all the polls show that that's not what the public wants. Right. They right. don't want to defund the police. Right. So who's saying it? Well, you know? just yeah. the the the, up, the people that want it. it's just chaos. The people yeah. that want chaos. Right. The people that want us well, at each other's throats. Well, look, there's a lot to be said for that that angle too. Now I'm at, I'm out of my depth on this, but the loudest people, right? The people are getting canceled on Twitter and all that stuff. It's right. generally not a whole ton of people shouting at somebody to get canceled. It's nah, usually yeah. a small percentage, right. but we're just... Well, and we're that's what I always to say, too. Like, everybody, the right, the left, we're more alike than we think. People that are, have these opposing views are probably much more alike than people think. I would like to think so. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to maybe. think so, but, you know, if it just comes to... Are, are we... Do we all just want... A peaceful life. Yeah, well, I think most people just to, want a peaceful yeah, life. I do too. You know, but it's it's how, the process to to get that peaceful life. You know, and you know a lot of it comes down to our constitutional rights and how you interpret that, and whether you think that something that was written you know way back then still applies today. And there's just people that feel very opposite about it. I'm I'm a hardcore constitutionalist. I believe it was written by some very intelligent people for a reason. And there are people that would say. It was written with an ink pen, a quill pen, 
you know, doesn't doesn't hold true today, you know. So Yeah, that's you know, that's a yeah. I, I would agree with you. Those the, they they were brilliant people yeah. writing something at a very hard time, right? They were getting oppressed, right? right? right. They were they were under a tyr- tyrannical um regime, so to speak. But you know, look, when it comes back to, you know, we all have generally things more in common, most people want to live a peaceful life. Right. But if you put one of those Antifa assholes in here, right. I'm not sure we'd have much in common with them. No. <laughs> I no. just, no. I don't, I, you know what I mean? They seem to be, again, not to generalize, I don't know that I've ever actually met one, but anarchists, you know, they just want anarchy. And mm-hmm. what has anarchy ever really solved, you know? Well, look, I, you know, I get, <laughs> I don't watch the news much anymore either, okay? And so immediately when the Capitol was stormed, right, mm-hmm. I had somebody call me, so what do you think of that? And I'm like, Look, I don't know what to think. I know the Capitol was stormed, okay? And if you're asking me if I support that, my answer is no, I don't. However, if I had to pick the Capitol being stormed with what I believe the class of generally the worst leaders we've ever seen (laughs) in the world or the guy's pizza place getting torched, I'm for the Capitol getting stormed, okay? Now, I'm I'm for neither... Okay, I'm making a point though. Right, right, okay, right. you know what? What you know, and that's the, these these Antifa guys and girls. So again, there just are some people who want to see the world burn. They just I couldn't. I don't know what we would agree on yeah. if if you think it's okay to crush somebody's livelihood by right. by, by. I think you could take individual concepts or individual ideas, like Frankie said, and maybe. We'll use one that's near and dear to me: Second Amendment. You know, I, I think the people on the opposing side. Their view of it is they want a better. They want less people to die, and I understand that. We just have a completely different viewpoint of how to get there and why law-abiding citizens with the guns is the way to get there, rather than stripping law-abiding citizens of guns. You know, so I get what you're saying, Frankie, and I don't disagree on it. But um, you know, uh, I think you would have to break it down on an individual, you know, sort of basis of of each what you disagree on rather than just saying we, we all want the same thing. I just think and what you hear, what you hear, you hear like the loudest on that side and the loudest on this side. That's, that's what just you noise, hear. man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what you hear the most. Yeah. It's just noise. Look, this, this gun thing, this is, it's a great, it's again, it's a great conversation. This, this, this might go viral. Like, Oh my God, they talked about race. Yeah. Guns, <laughs> religion. <laughs> like, Oh my God, who's talking about that anymore. But, um, look, the gun thing again, it, it's a joke. Law-abiding citizens are going to take. Oh, I need to have three locks on my weapons now. Uh-huh. Okay, and they're going to put three locks on their weapons. Again, I feel like I speak from an area of expertise. We were doing. We How were, much harder can you make it for me? How well, much harder? Let you me, know. And, and <laughs> let me tell you about guns. Right, we, I was doing, and I wasn't an undercover. I was in charge of the operation. It was my case. We had inserted an undercover in into a group. Okay, and it was gangs. Um, And we were going on gun buys. So we got a ton of cash. And me and the undercover talked it over. I said, spend it all if you can. Let's see what they got. Now, I slid that one (laughs) under the radar. If I told the bosses that I was going to spend it all on one, (laughs) I would have gotten shut down. But I wanted to see. I wanted to see on a moment's notice how many guns can we buy. We bought 10 guns 
AK-47s, sawed-off shotguns. There was a 50 caliber handgun. I'd never seen anything. 50 caliber handgun? It was the biggest thing. Desert Eagle. Desert Eagle. Oh, really? It was the biggest thing that I... Right. Desert Eagle, yeah. Lock, stock, and smoking barrel. Made by Israeli arms, yeah. Who? Which was that Desert Eagle... Five oh, it's been in no, a lot snatch. of movies. But oh, yeah, snatch. Snatch, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's been in it because it's such an opposing. It's really sort of a, a shitty. It's so heavy. It's like who, who the fuck would actually? Yeah. It's the practicality it, of it. But for movies, it's it's amazing. I saw <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, they yeah. had one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, the Desert Eagle right. five point oh. Right. Um, the point I'm making is, once again, we're not having the. We're we're taking a side on gun control. I literally watched. A guy get on the phone to three different people and go, yeah, bring me, bring me that, bring me this, bring me that, and they all ran to this. It was an arsenal yeah. in in New York, in New Jersey. Okay, so yeah, so the hardest gun laws in the in right. the country, right? <laughs> right. And that's still happening. So you know, again, what's the point we're making here? Um, we're just not having the right conversation, right? right? It just it's. And again, look, I, the NRA gun-free gun zones in in many Philly and in many are the highest crime areas with guns there are in the world in Chicago, some places. Right? You know, oh, Chicago, you know, and it's it's it it should show you that some of these policies just don't work. You know. Well, let me. I'll give you my opinion on concealed carry and civilians carrying you know weapons. You know, look, I'm I'm for. I think people should be allowed to have guns. I do not think people should be allowed to carry their guns outside of their home. And here's why. I was in the FBI. I carried a gun for a living. And I've told you now two situations, well, maybe one. There, I could tell you another one, where I had to make a choice to shoot somebody or not. I'm a professional. It was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. And I lived with a gun, trained with that gun all the time. I know I could have hit that guy anywhere I wanted to. If we don't have that same training requirement for people just walking around with weapons, I don't know what's going to happen. You See, know? I don't know that I agree with you there, um, because because of circumstances, it's the it's completely different circumstances. The person leaving their house, going out with that gun, is ninety nine percent of the time defensive. You are going out there. You have your gun as offensive. If somebody picks up a beer bottle or whatever against you. Um, you know, I, I think that people have a right to defend themselves. And I think mm-hmm. in the rare opportunity that somebody has a gun and is shooting up a grocery store, not only do you have the right to defend yourself, you have the right to defend people around you, and that, that could save a lot of people. And it has. It's, you know, the Texas uh, church shooting. You know, there was a there was an older gentleman, I think he was in his 70s, and the guy was shooting up the church, and he took him out. No, you know I, what I, mean? re- I remember. So it is, it is practical. It is not heavily reported on because people don't want you, the news doesn't want you to know that, but... I would, I would disagree with you on that, Errol. I think law-abiding citizens, first of all, it is your responsibility to get proper training on it. And if you're willy-nilly walking around because you live in a state where you can carry and you don't have proper training, you're an idiot. And, right. and you shouldn't be. But, um, you know, I, I think that everybody has the right to defend themselves. And in today's day and age, we, we live in a very volatile world. You know, it, it, it could happen, especially women. You know, I mean, I think yeah. that, 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 that I encourage any girl that I know to get their, you know, um, firearms ID card. I'm I have my concealed carry in three states: Florida, Vermont, and New Hampshire, and I still can't carry in New Jersey because right. you can't. You just it never happened, you know. Right. But well, look, and again, it's not something I would go to the mat to to say yeah. pe- people shouldn't. It just makes me nervous, right? Having yeah. been someone who carries a gun, 
I'm like, the less people walking around with guns, the better. Let's just keep them in the homes. But it's I, worked get, well I get for, it. It's worked well for Texas. It's well, worked very well for Texas. Texas, you know. Florida. Texas took right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're doing things differently. It appears to be working out for yeah. them. You know? It appears to be working out. But, yeah. We're, boy, so stand your ground, State. And I think I think criminals recognize that, you know? It's a, it's a big difference. In New Jersey, the policy essentially is that you have to retreat to the furthest point you can, wherever it may be. It may be a closet, maybe the the darkest, deepest corner of your closet <laughs> in your back bedroom, and the fight started with the intruder, the guy that came to rob you. It started at your front doorstep, right? right. And you retreated up two he flights of stairs. You don't have to go nowhere. And, you don't well, go nowhere. I, I don't live in Frankie's house. This guy's house. always in his closet. I don't. He's, <laughs> he's waiting to come out the closet for a long time. <laughs> See, I told you, old and gay jokes. That's all he does. Oh, God. There so, we go. That's the only topic we yeah, haven't cut yeah. yet. <laughs> so essentially, you know, that's how it's worded. You have to retreat to the furthest possible point you can. And then you can defend yourself. You know what I mean? But Texas and, and some other states are very different. It's stand your ground. If you feel like your life is being threatened or jeopardy, you can you can stand where you are and defend yourself. And and I think that's why crime stats are, you know, disproportionately. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't recite them. But, you know, um, you know I, it, it, all, it, all, it all comes down to populace and. You know, there's a lot of variables there. You know, New Jersey's a small state. It's a very dense state. Texas is a huge state. So it's a lot of variables you'd have to weigh in there. But I would think from a criminal standpoint, if I was going to rob somebody, I'd rather rob somebody in New Jersey than I would in Texas, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, and look, excuse me, just, you know, that, again, that's a, that's, a, that's a real conversation to have, right? Mm -hmm. Concealed carry, we can, we can have that conversation, right? And, and disagree. Where hasn't it worked? To sort of support oh, your argument, where know. hasn't it worked? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know the stats. I don't know anything. I just know from a personal standpoint, yeah. I just prefer, yeah. just keep it open. Oh, I respect that. <laughs> just I keep respect it open. But I, I get Even it. though we disagree, I respect yeah, your point of view. But, but, the, but the real conversation is... But say, say that dude, say you didn't have your gun that day, and he pulled maybe button. You well, know, if he was a civilian, he, 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 you mean? He, no, no, I'm saying, oh. say, I mean, just say, hey, he didn't have the gun that day, right? Yeah. He, whatever, you know, yeah. just hypothetically, the guy had, had that thing charged at him. He didn't have the gun to take care of himself. Well, that's right. So he'd been like, damn, I wish I had my gun. I that wish day. I had my you know gun that day. No doubt, so, no know. doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Look, yeah. So it's again, it's it's. The idea is to get through life. There's and no never, easy answer. Ever guns, need though. it, and that there's is no, there's no, that is the know? probability. The probability for most people is that you'll go through life and never need it. You'll never be put in that circumstance. But the one time you are, I'd rather have it. No doubt. No, you know? I I'm not going to disagree. Certainly not going to disagree with you there. But again, the, the bigger issue is what we're saying about guns. Yeah. Right. This idea that look background checks. Okay, fine, cool, yeah. whatever. That's fine. Run all the backgrounds. I'm I'm for that. Right. We're still not addressing the fact that if somebody wants to get a gun, oh, sure. yeah. they're going to be able to get a gun and right. wreak havoc if they want to, right? So no matter how many laws you put down, no matter how many background checks and locks you have to put on. I think bigger, that, bigger than that, even maybe the bigger subject or the bigger conversation that has to be had is mental health. I mean, you know, mental health what is... I, I said uh, America's 5% of the Earth's population... Well, we own 45% of the guns in the world. <laughs> well, because of our Constitution is, is the reason saying. why. But, you know, me <laughs> mental health has to be addressed. No gun has ever shot anybody by itself. It's usually, and I'm not saying always, but usually somebody in a mental health crisis that is committing these, you know, atrocities. I would and, say that it's 100% of people in a mental yeah, health yeah, crisis. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, are, yeah. You know, it's 100%. Yeah, right. But, you know, then again, you know, what, what do you do with that? So, yeah, that's... 
That's guns. Yep. What's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> religion? Anybody for religion? Wait, let's, right. Let's talk about abortion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we may get banned for this one. <laughs> Errol, you can never come back. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Listen, it com- I, I think the reason we can have this conversation and, and it has flowed well is, uh, first of all, you're, you're well-spoken. Secondly, you you come from uh, an area of expertise. You, you, you everything you've talked about, you you've lived. You know right. what I mean. You've been there. You have. You're not just some schmo off the street just coming in here, you know, spewing at the mouth saying I feel this way. I feel it's you. You've been you've been a military guy. You've been an FBI guy. You've investigated terrorism. You've investigated bloods and cribs, and you you've 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 met with communities and had conversations. I mean, if there's anybody that could come in here and speak about it, I would think it would be you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I appreciate that, and you know, it's funny because it's not like I'm trying to be provo- now be provocative. I'm not right. Yeah, these no, are, these no, are no. logical conversations. Well, it's, a, it's conversations people are scared to have, and it's, I'm I'm kind of impressed that you're not scared to have it. Well, you know, and and here's why: because I was talking about. I was with uh, my brother and sister-in-law, and you know they're super healthy, super motivated. You know they're just good people, right? And they kind of feel the same way about this COVID thing, right? It's not a COVID problem; it's a health problem, and, and you know we're creating now more stress. Blah 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 blah. And you know I just casually told them I was like, yeah, you know I was on a podcast the other day, and I, I told I finally told somebody we don't have a COVID problem; we have a, we have a health problem. Mm-hmm. He's like, you said that, yeah. And I go, yeah. He goes, thank God somebody you know said. And it just, it struck me like, wow, people are waiting for to people this, to yeah, say right. something mm. that's, and then, but, but not just be noise, say it, have where, some. Where, why, why is that though? Fear. People well, don't want to be attacked. I mean, our comments are going to be, you know, fucking assholes. Well, that's cool. You still, listen, I, I'm an American. You're an American. We live in America. We have a right to have an opinion. I like to think that. You know, we we see both sides, and that we understand both sides, and that we we've, we've had many people on that couch that are on both sides, and that's that's what it's all about: educating yourself. I don't think of myself as just uh, simple-minded. You know, I I learn every time we have somebody in here. I learn something new, and that's that's what conversations all about. That doesn't mean that I don't have like steadfast and 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 you know um, things I'm really serious about, and things that I, that are probably maybe more. Uh, <laughs> things that i would lay down to die for you know what i mean things mm-hmm. like the second amendment you know that's probably always going to be very uh personal to me and and clearly you know so clearly i mean look here's the thing too you know i have a business to run right i i rely on people right. coming to me for an objective opinion so you know i want to be able to talk about these hard issues and if nothing else have somebody go huh yeah right um i often talk about I think the United States is the greatest country in the world. Okay? Here's why. Yeah. I've traveled the world. Yeah. I have seen the worst the world has to offer up front and close. Right. Okay? And, yeah. Did, we, would you would you agree with the statement that most people that hate America have not done that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, Boy, if they have mm. and they still hate America, yeah, I'd like to meet them. I'd yeah. like to hear. Right. right. You know? Um, and and so I, I'm not afraid to say no, no. This is, in my opinion, the greatest country in the world. Do we have our problems? Yes. I wrote. I wrote a blog. I blog a lot, right? I wrote a blog the other day. If you want to be a great leader, appropriate culture, <laughs> right? Cultural appropriation. But my point was this, okay? Great leaders operate in a growth mindset, right? Not a fixed mindset. I mean, those are terms that are thrown around. But fixed mindset. Here's my way. This is the way. I'm gonna. I'm going to the death. 
on my way. Growth mindset. I like my way. I think my way is the best. What do you think? What's your way? Because mm. your way might be better, and I want to copy your way because I just want the best way. How do we get the best way? Right? The three of us hanging around, we're from New York, New Jersey, right? We're pretty the same. We're going to have a lot of fun hanging out with each other, but over the course of years, we're not going to learn much more from each other because right. we, we're Correct. kind of the same. That's that's fine, yeah. okay? But until I have visited a country in Africa, a country in South America, a country in Asia, Europe, and seeing how other people do things, and we're like, oh, man, that's look at that. I'm doing that, right? I will appropriate that part of the culture because that's awesome. Right. I'm big into, as, as we talked about, mindfulness, right? Uh, breathing, all that stuff, right? So uh, East Asian, South Asian culture, Native American culture. I'm all over it, right? All over it. The chanting, the, you know, the whole thing. And you better believe if I've got an artifact or a piece of clothing that represents a Native American culture, because I'm wearing it because I'm like this whole spirit thing they do, I'm in for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're damn right I'm appropriating that part of the culture because that's what makes us better. That's what that's what puts us in the growth mindset. Isn't that what America's about? I mean, we're all... The melting pot. The melting pot. Yeah, I mean, right. we appropriate everyone else's culture. Everybody and else's I, culture. I love a little bit of every culture. You know what I mean? That's what's great about it. Why? It's just don't get how we're going this way. Well, and that's why I think, you know, at some point, that's why I purposely use the term appropriate culture. Because I, I want somebody... To call me a racist, because right. then I'll know you haven't read the article. Oh, you came on the right show. You, <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll know you haven't read the article. Right. Right. I've I've gotten. I usually get. You know, look, I don't get thousands of comments on my stuff, but I usually get some. I, mm. People read it. You know how many I got? I got one like. Yeah. Okay. Which is fine. Right. But I I appreciated that because, again, I saw how many people looked at it. And that just people meant, were scared to hit that like button. Well, that that's one thing. That's fine. But I also didn't get the people saying, "Oh, you're a racist. You're this. You're that. This, that's not the way you're supposed to do things." Because I would hope that they did read it and went, "How do I argue with this? Right, yeah, yeah. Right. How do I argue with taking the best of another culture right. is a good thing yeah. and celebrating it?" But you know, again, cultural appropriation, another term that's. You know, Part of the whole cancel culture. Well, I don't even know it. I know what the cancel culture is, but that's just a realm that, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> with Ian Smith, these hands ain't canceled ever. I saw <laughs> I liked that today. Yeah, I saw you yeah, liked it before me. Yeah, you beat me yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah. He's, bro, he's, he's, I, I'm more impressed with him every day and the, the spine that that guy has. Who the are we talking about? Ian Smith, the uh, he's the guy that took all the fire from uh, refused to close the gym until oh until yeah, 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 they refused yeah, to yeah. close. He's hardcore, yeah. yeah. Oh, they yeah. bankrupt him. They even cleaned out his GoFundMe. They've done yeah, any still standing yeah, no, his he's, ground, man. He still. is. That's a guy who there was. That's a, a leader. There was a turning point yeah. where he could have said, "Okay, yeah. Yeah, enough is enough," and they did I, everything they and, could do. And he's right. And he's the still, fact that he's still going yeah. strong. It'll be interesting to see the impact. But he but he's it. not he's just not this stubborn guy that's just like fuck it. I you know, I believe in my convictions and I want to keep my gym open. He has really become a scientist at this point. He really he's brought people in, you know, he's he's 
He's done the research. It's mostly his partner that is probably a little more well-read than him, but Ian is a is a tremendous speaker. And uh, I think he's been on Tucker Carlson like eight mm-hmm. times or something. He's he's really well-read. He's uh, he's relatable. We've had him on the podcast, and he knows his subject matter, and he agrees with you 100% that this is a health issue. This is yeah. not a COVID issue. Yeah. This is a health issue. Well, he's – and he's also – again, I don't – I follow – the general story, right? Mm-hmm. I know, you know, I'm always like, is that guy still fighting? Yeah, Jesus, still. good for him. But he, you're right. The one thing that I've recently seen was he got kicked off a flight, yep. right, for not wearing a mask. Mm. Now, he clearly knew that was going to happen. Mm. Cool, that's allowed. That's mm. civil disobedience at its best, <laughs> right? right? That is the, the definition of it. I will break a law I agree with, I disagree with peacefully. That was the 60 civil rights right. movement to a T, right. right? That's why that was a beautiful movement. And you know that he acted right mm-hmm. because otherwise we would have heard about yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. see, he is yeah. a psychopath. Right, right. But then... Because he went on there with the science behind it. I mean, how does it make any sense? Well, Everybody on that plane, it can be packed to the hilt. Nobody's six feet apart. You can all put... As long as you're putting drink or food in your mouth, nobody has to wear a mask. So everybody's sipping and eating. The, what? To explain to me the science. Well, yeah. but what he did was, more importantly than that, is he remained calm. Yeah. He was like, Which he's very I'm going to let, I'm gonna let yeah. them do this to me because if he struggled, you there's there's 15 videos of that thing yeah. guaranteed and not oh, one yeah. of them surfaced, right? Yeah. Right. Um, sure. But the other thing that he did was that he, that he showed a picture of John Kerry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. 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 Not yes. wearing a not mask. Wearing a mask. Yes. And I think he's going to sue, yeah. what is it, American? Or? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, we've had a, a, a couple friends lately. Um, Cody <laughs> Cody Gamber, a UFC fighter, just mm-hmm. had an experience with that. And I, I, I my heart kind of goes out to him because he had a two-year-old on a plane. And how do you keep a two-year-old in a mask? You how? Yeah. And, they, and they made him mask his kid up. His kid freaked out, had a little meltdown, and, melt, they, and they, they booed him off the plane. Yeah. It happened to, my, uh, happened to my sister-in-law. Yeah. That's just crazy. It's I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I, that the, two years old, like, haven't we all agreed on that right. science? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't right. think that one's disputed. Right. The little yeah. ones are good. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're good. Right. Right. And then, you know, I know you're all about controlling your emotion, but of course that's an emotional thing. Who do you focus your your emotion at? It's, the stewardesses are kind of doing what they're being told to do. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think that I think some are a little more just like just like restaurants, you know. I know what restaurants I can go to and they don't give a shit. And I know I wouldn't name them. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but. I know restaurants you go to, the moment you walk in the door, they're going to say, put your mask on. You know what I mean? And um, I don't go to those ones. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a, again, you talk about, we bring it back to emotional awareness. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Right. I, I would like to think that I would remain calm. Well, Cody didn't do that. <laughs> uh, no. What did he do? Did he, he <laughs> bust out his camera? He, 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 went, he, went, he went after the store. His, his hiding in the bathroom, banging on the bathroom. Oh, and then they, he, they then he went to the then he went to the the, the cockpit and, and films and the, film pilots the pilots with no mask, with no mask on. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. I mean, he he, he uh, wild man exacerbated <laughs> his revenge for a, sure. He's, he's a, a wild man. I kind of don't blame him though. I kind of don't blame well, him. You know, it's you know when when again, I would like to think that I would just get off the plane yeah. and. and do, but I can't guarantee that. Yeah. Get your, you're on the plane. You know how hard it is to get yeah. on a plane with a two-year-old? Right, right. And now you're telling me I got to get off? Right. I just think there's a way to do it. If you see 
that parents are making an effort, you know, to get this, you know, and may, maybe the kid needs to cry and have a have a little meltdown, and then you can get the mask on. You know, if you're trying, but if you're just like put the mask on or you're off this plane, come on, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, come on, it's, come on. I don't know, but I thought two and under didn't have to wear them. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I I think it's two and under, but under. How, how old's Cody? He was two. He was two. He was two. Yeah, no, two under two. Yeah. Under once two. they turn two, I think so. Maybe got, that's you why you got to lock uh, it on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. no. So it's under two. Uh, okay. And I know that because we were in Colorado and uh, we were going to fly back and my wife was going to extend a couple more days because we wanted to go skiing. And that would have been the day after my daughter's second birthday. Now, there's no way to prove that she would have been two. We could have just lied, but we were like, no, 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 don't extend. Yeah. Go while yeah. she's under two because you never know. Right, right, right. But, you know... Yeah. Is that really? That's how we're living. <laughs> That's how we're living. It's crazy. And now it's it's being talked about that you're going to have COVID passports now. You know what I mean? I mean, how crazy is that? Well, show me your papers. Yeah, yeah. I'll print. <laughs> I'll print some off. <laughs> That'll be your black market move. The fake COVID passports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where can I get a fake? I got a couple COVID hot pass- ones. I got to go to Raj. <laughs> He's making him no issue with anybody. My dad got vaccinated. That's great. You know, he's got comorbidities. He probably should be. But for somebody to remove my constitutional rights to make me get vaccinated, it's it's I mean, when has there been another time like this in history? I'll tell you another story if I can. Can I tell you another story? So when you go through the FBI Academy, one of the courses that they bring you through is ethics. Okay. And one of the things you do in this part of the ethics course is they bring you to the Holocaust Museum. And the reason that they bring you to the Holocaust Museum, the premise of that portion of the course is things like what happened in Nazi Germany happen over time. It's one little thing at a time Mm -hmm. where law enforcement starts to ignore the law. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And act at the whim of people who want you to not enforce the law, right? And that's what happened, mm-hmm. little over little, little, uh, little, little bit of time over a little bit of time. Now, what was their point? Their point was simply, from an ethics standpoint, you have to follow the rule of law. You have to follow the Constitution. You have to follow. You can't do, just because you have some crazy boss who's telling you to do something and you're worried for your job, your job is to stand up for the rule of law and what's right. You know, Look, we, we joked even before the thing, like, oh, we can't talk about, you know, the, the, the comparison to Nazi Germany, show me your papers, but I'm sorry, you tell me a different example right. to use. Right. Show, me your pa- show me your papers or else you can't come in here. Right. Now, I'm not saying we're going towards Nazi Germany, but what I am saying is something to think about, right? This is what they teach at the FBI Academy around ethics. You have to pay attention to when... Laws are starting to be violated. People's rights are starting to be violated. It is your job to stand up, not go along with it, mm-hmm. as hard as it's going to be. So, yeah, I, read, I think I read something too about you know about Hitler's error that you know in the beginning it was removing literature was kind of how it started, especially history and things like that. And look what's going on now with banning of things that you think are so yeah, unassumingly well, well, simple, like Doctor Zeus and things. That, I mean, it's it's. You hear about like like every week there's like a new something new getting banned, you know. It's, it's crazy. 
the history of banning Vince Rogers all reading. <laughs> yeah, I read, I read Doctor Zeus. It's it was not a read it was, no more. It was this. It was this or, or Doctor Zeus. <laughs> well, you know, look, I think I think history speaks for itself yeah. on what the outcome of places that ban books and burn mm. books. It's yeah. typically not good. Not good. You know, look, but again, what's the other side of the argument? I guess they're racist and they didn't even know it. And I guess, yeah. I guess that's that's one side. That's one way to look right. at it. So, I guess I'll I'll give you that. But again, I guess history it, it, of we talk about defining things, right? right? You talked about that and how important it is. I think you have to define that. What I saw a lady on Instagram the other day saying that band aids are racist. You right. know, like band aids because because the color of them, like. Where do you draw the line of what is you? You have there has to be a definition there. If Doctor Zeus is racist, why can't a band aid be racist? You know, like it's it's well, there has to be a definition. Right? I want to know if my daughter's princess band aid is, is racist. <laughs> yeah. oh, and is, is, is the turtle band aid racist, bro? No, no, just the ones. Right. You got to clear them out. Like, they like, are. But those that that band aid color ain't the skin. Ain't the color I don't of my know, skin. Man. Tell that to tell, tell that to that wacko lady that was going off on a rant about. Well, I mean, there's some. Th- those are you know, like those are mm. those are outliers. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. Cr- I I listened to somebody the other day say math was racist. Yeah. I mean, we, why would we? I might. Would I you, might agree with that. If I don't have to do it anymore, <laughs> I'll agree with it. Why would you spend your emotional energy on, <laughs> yeah. on listening to that? Yeah. But there are. Look, if somebody's saying that in Dr. Seuss, there is a negative depiction of an Asian person. Okay, if that's how you feel, then that's that's cool. I guess I, I'm I mean, not I, sure that Dr. Seuss was targeting Asians, yeah. but maybe. You but know, I mean, I don't I, know. I, I, the in, wouldn't it have to? The, wouldn't isn't intent important? I mean, intent is crucially important. I would think, right? Well, if I, the intent is there, right, to to um, damage a race or talk badly or be racist in nature or whatever. Then sure, I don't, I don't know. Was anybody interviewed the guy that wrote Doctor Zeus? What, what was he? Was he racist towards? Well, Asians? it was actually Doctor Zeus who wrote Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> all the other books we're talking about. Well, I think somebody would Whatever, counter that idiot. argument to say, even if you don't have the intent, that you know, it's almost worse. You're not even aware of what you're saying. That might be well, racist. stupidity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So look again, if in the spirit of saying, well, what what is the other side of that argument? But you know, when it comes to the kids' books, um, I think there was another one. We and by the way, we've got all of them. So I'm like, I don't even know what's going on in my house. Yeah. We've got. You know, well, someone, I guess maybe to better define what I'm saying is, someone may watch this and they may come on and say, oh, Errol Dober is an absolute racist. Don't 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 we need to define that? Like like. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would I would think so. But that's again, that's where this I, has just gotten so. I think it's you, you can't you can't because I mean, yeah, racist in your right term of racism. But I mean, well, anybody the, can be like, oh. But the, where you define it yeah. is by law, right? But I think, I think everyone defines it. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess if you're if you start you're, implementing laws and mm, banning okay, things and you know yeah. that's where i think it becomes crucial you know that's where you do need to define it and well and that's that's an important point that you make right because again the 19 the civil rights movement of the 60s is the model for civil rights correct. movements why correct. because there were literal laws and it's defined very well there were literal laws that banned black right. people from doing or being someplace right. I think we can all agree that's ridiculous no and atrocious. Question. No question. Right? So, therefore, from that standpoint, right, the sit-ins, the civil disobedience, you know, sitting in the front of the bus, sitting at the counter, right, that's that's good stuff. That's magical. 
right? Because right? we have to change those laws. I got news for everybody. Racism isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just simply not. Yeah. But as long as it is not government racism, as long as the laws aren't saying because you are this color, because you are this religion, you can't do these things, then we're just dealing with each other as individuals. Right. And it seems like we can't even handle that now. Right. Right? We right. can't even handle that. So I don't even know where we're going with this one, but at least we covered race. I think I think abortion. I think abortion is next. And religion, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I would say of all the major topics, that's the one that I don't lay on the cross and die for. Is I'm not. I personally, I know how I feel as a God fearing guy, but I don't know about you know implementing law and I I I abortion's a tough one for me. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a tough one for me. Well, yeah. Personally, if I got a girl pregnant, and and this is the truth, it never happened. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say there weren't a couple mornings where I might have texted, "Hey, what about the morning after pill?" That's that's a little different to me. But <laughs> but if I got <laughs> if I got a girl pregnant, I, I would absolutely do the right thing. I would never say go get an abortion. I would. I mean, you know, and obviously she's she's a huge part of that decision as well. But um, the bigger part of that decision as well, probably. But. Um, so that's personally. I just don't know, you know, um, as a as a policy or as agreeing with one side or the other, how I fall on that from the perspective of law. You know, I don't know where exactly I am on that. Uh, look, it's a, it's a tough issue, yeah. right? For sure. Um, I will say this, right? I I, I kind of feel with I, I, you talk about a woman's choice. Yeah, you know, yeah, and. And trust me, I, I've I've known women who've had abortions, and it's not something that they just forget about, right? Mm-hmm. They, so somebody goes and does that. That's something that they're living with, right? So nobody's off scot free. Um, well, I well, s- I'll, I'll play I'll play devil's advocate here. I I know not many one really that has done it on a regular basis. I would almost say. And seems to be, and again, we never know what goes on in somebody's head or what goes on in somebody's home, but seems to be, because of the frequency of the amount of times this happened, seems to be really clear conscience about it, you know? so Yeah, and I would say that they're probably an outlier. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think most women who, who have to make that decision and do it. I would think. They struggle. I, I would think. I think they do. I would think. Um, at least the ones that I've talked to, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. an issue. That said... I, I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb when I say I don't think when the head is crowning. Right. That, right. Frankie yeah. talks about that, that a lot. That we can do yeah. an abortion. Not, I, I, I don't think I'm really yeah, going. I don't think no. I'm a radical right. by saying I'm not, I don't think I'm good with no. that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think no. I'm good with that right. part. Again, comes down to defining when when you can and can, I guess. But what is it? New York, you can have an abortion right up until. I think basically I know, birth, I isn't it? Virginia, I think. Yeah. Oh, is it Virginia? I thought it was. New York. I, I okay. don't know. I just I was I I read it's that and I'm like me. I'm kind of hoping yeah. that I'm not reading this right, yeah. but apparently I was. For anybody actually, and I didn't dig heavily into it, but I saw a little bit and I saw like a like a diagram, I guess, if you will, of how it's done. If anybody actually saw that, I think it would make anybody. You know, I'm talking about in like the last trimester and things when when it's essentially a human. Or it looks like a human, at least, and how, you know, they're sucked out in, mm. in pieces. Basically, it's 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 disgusting. Yeah. You know? I, 
All right, good. I'm glad we hit it. Yeah, got it all. Got it all. Got I, think, it all. Well, I think we're pretty close. How about how about point. circumcision? Anybody want? To, Frankie's Frankie's thinking about getting it done. I've encouraged him heavily. It's time, you know. It's tired of cleaning the wrinkles. Jesus. Rubbing alcohol and Q-tips everywhere. Wrinkles. It's on your department, bro. Wrinkles is your department. Oh man. Oh, Frankie. We're not shout- really. We're not really going to air this episode. <laughs> yeah, are we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out Errol's book. Yeah, Errol's book, The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership. Man, it was really good having you here. I appreciate uh, it, Pick guys. your brain. I would really love to take you up on that breathing thing. We're, we're this, this, dude, I, this dude. I need it more than this look, guy does. He yeah. doesn't go tanning. No. <laughs> it's he, high blood pressure. He doesn't pressure. go tanning. It's <laughs> high blood pressure. <laughs> it's anxiety. No, no, it's done. Make, I, I'm t- I'm, I'm, anytime you guys want. So now it's on camera. You guys okay, said you cool. want to do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it done in the well, next Maybe we can even uh, document it. It'd be kind of cool. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that. We're, looking, right. we're always looking to build on our YouTube channel, so that'll do some great stuff. Let's do that, because that would be great. We'll get a camera rolling. Good deal. You know, During the breathing. After the breathing, what you're feeling, and then certainly the ice bath, and yeah. then just kind of, kind of talk through it, right? Because cool. yeah, yeah. um, I've it, never done an ice bath. So. Well, look, never, never. Wow. Listen, now, now listen. You've probably I, done a lot. Right? I grew up in Maine, swimming in lakes I, and streams and ponds, and they're pretty cold. Camp. I, I, I've been doing. I do a lot of sauna, so I was doing sauna, ice bath, sauna. Now, yeah. so I get a lot of athletes who come in, right? And that's the first thing they'll say, right? Oh, I, I, you know, I'm an athlete. I do ice baths, and I'm just like, cool. Then this should be good for you. What I've found is they're not going in up over the Yeah, heart. no, I, I went there. Yeah, that's, oh, what, that's what I was doing. Yeah. That's the that's the ice bath, oh, yeah. right? Once you get hands that in, heart involved, hands right, in, everything. Right yeah, up yeah. to your waist is good. It's yeah. still going to help you, but the true is... is we is got a big there. enough ice bath for this I guy? Think <laughs> I think we do. I think we do. You just go to... You guys just go to Tractor Supply and buy those big that's troughs, right? That's what I did. Right? That's what I got. That's my backyard. That's what we got. I got to get one of those for my backyard, I guess. But And how many bags of ice do you put in it? Well... I'll uh, take care of that. Yeah, the hundred, probably a bunch. I know, a lot, but, but, right? a lot. but listen, yeah, yeah. listen. Let's just go with the idea that this does help me, and I, I mm-hmm. think it will. I don't. I can't say how it would hurt me, and I want to do it. Would you go get one of those hundred pound bags down the street here? I was. That's what I was doing in the summer. In the winter, I just poured water in it, let it freeze, and I would crack the ice. There it was you perfect. go. There you just got to get a. Uh, if, if it's your thing, you just get a meat freezer. Get yeah. a fifteen oh, right, cubic right, foot right. meat freezer. Yeah. Right. Right. And. That stays cold. You say meat freezer. You mean the top lid? Thing? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the top yeah, comes yeah, off. Yeah, you, yeah. you fill it with water and you leave it in. And then you just shut the top and it stays. Shut the top. Okay. It stays okay. cold. Cool. And then you know every now and then you'll have to drain it to yeah. clean it out. But oh, that you go in a meat freezer. Oh, yeah. Oh, to, oh. to do the ice bath. Oh wow. Thing. Not oh, to keep wow. the ice in. Oh okay. To actually do the ice bath. Oh, so right. you fill that up with water. It's 15 cubic feet, and you know. I guess if you do it on a regular basis idea. like you do, that's it's that sta- saves, it saves a lot of work. Yeah. Money and time, man. That getting that ice is just a big pain in the, yeah. in the yeah. butt. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. That's it. Good deal. Awesome. Hey, where, where can everybody find you? <sighs> right here, Frankie Edgar's place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right in the basement. Right in the basement. Um, leader Rogers one in the closet. <laughs> Rogers in the closet. <laughs> Don't come in my closet. Spying. <laughs> uh, leader one nine three dot com. That's my website. So everything I do from Wim Hof. The book and and all the stuff I offer from a leadership perspective is on there. Uh, my my social media platforms are Instagram and Facebook mostly at Leader One Nine Three, and that's uh, those are the places you can find me. Super easy to go to the website though. We've got a million ways to direct you any questions you have. So thanks for let me. Awesome. Uh, get I'm gonna that check out. that out. Oh, thanks, man. All and, right, uh, guys. This was good fun. To this ice bath. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The loop. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure having you in. Champ of the Tram, guys. Check us out. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe, and tell a friend. Someone help me out with my high blood pressure. <laughs>